0: We are getting better and better at that time, aren't we? (laughs) Hello and welcome everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome back to Chill to Action on the Call to Action Network with me, it's your girl, Danny Joy, here with my favorite co-host, as always, Mr. Paul DeNuzio.
1: It's me. It's me. It's PLD, and I'm so happy to be here on this Monday, our 48th episode. We are... Wow, we're making, I can't believe it's 48 episodes, in. Check
0: and check and check and check and check. It. I can't believe it either. I can't believe that we've, we've missed. So in this entire calendar year so far, we've missed two weeks. Uh, and that's it. So it's nuts. I think we took one week off for Christmas and then we took the respective week off in June. So
1: true, very true. Uh, in that time, we've only had we've had zero. Repeat guests, which has been kind of a cool thing for us to do. For, I mean, there is the asterisk, there's the asterisk. We did have Brett Sheridan on, and then one week we had uh, a and flouse on, but that was kind of us. I think it's an asterisk there, I don't think that really counts against us, but they're two different people, two different personalities, right?
0: And we do add that to the total count of the show. So, the and flouse episode is, is a part of those total 48
1: episodes. <sighs>
0: It's okay, it's fine. It Did you say it's canon?
1: It's canon, it's still it's canon. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Correct. Paul is 100% correct. It is <laughs> canon. Really.
1: Well, then you wanna introduce our guest?
0: Yeah, y'all, Best I'm super, I am super excited to, to have this person on. Uh, this has been a long time coming. We've really uh, tried to reach out and, and get this planned and started and we cannot wait to bring in the one, the only y'all, the Android, Mr. Mark and Draco. Bow, 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 bow.
2: Hey everybody.
3: <laughs>
0: welcome, welcome. Um...
2: How are we doing today? Oh, good, good. Where, where are you guys? What coast are you guys on or what time zone are you guys in?
0: I'm central, so I'm in Texas.
1: <laughs> and oh, I'm in upstate I'm New York. In <laughs> upstate New York I'm Eastern Standard. Okay, so
2: it's it's eleven thirty for you? It's eleven thirty for me, yes.
1: But nice. I work I work overnight generally anyway so I'm a night night owl as it, is, so as it is And
2: what does time mean anymore anyways I, I when this is all done, I want a new calendar I want new times I want, I want I want to auction off who gets the name what a day is I want a day to be 36 hours instead of 24. Why okay. not? Why not We could do anything we want at that point. That's what I'd say I mean we
0: really can
1: Get rid
2: of daylight savings completely.
1: <laughs> never have cool. to worry about that that again.
2: Well, we all might be working in the crops pretty soon because there's not going to be any other jobs left. So we might want to we might want to put a pin in the whole daylight savings thing. That's, <laughs> no, that's not,
1: I didn't think about that. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go, Mark. Thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with us on this trail sure. to Action on Monday. Uh, uh, as always, we we like to ask our guests the same question uh, uh, as the first question every time they're on here. So, Mark, what got you involved with this showdown? How did you get involved in this league? And uh,
2: what kept you inside of the showdown? I have no recollection of how I, I did it. I, I think it was because I'd done a bunch of uh, movie fights. And Hal Rudnick is a good friend of mine. I've known Hal for, gosh, 18, 17, 18 years. And we do a show, or we did a show every month at Upright Citizens Brigade uh, called the Tournament of Nerds. And he was a competitor. And I think he just gave them my name, or they saw me on an episode of Movie Fights. So when I walked in that building, I had never seen an episode of the Schmodown. I was like, you're going to fight this guy, Bibiani. I'm like, oh, it's a trivia game. And then he came out in a bloody jumpsuit with a chainsaw. And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what in the world is this? Uh, but yeah, but it's great. It's, 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 it's been a blast. It's super fun. Um, being good at movie trivia makes me glad I was never good at being an athlete. Because I get so hyper-competitive that I would be the athlete that would probably have played with like, the broken leg. And like you know, died on the field because I get I, I sometimes I get annoyed with myself. They're like I have a couple of friends that won't like won't play celebrity with me. They're like <laughs> no, you're too intense because I'll be like you have three seconds to no no. I, I it's it's ridiculous. But
0: that's, that's the type of gameplay that I very much enjoy. So yeah, commitment's passion.
2: You got to hold passion. Right. Anything you do.
1: So I mean, you've been here now. I uh, actually got a very interesting vantage point because you weren't there in the beginning. But you're also not like a, you're not a rookie anymore. You got like a kind of grizzled vet halfway through, so you got to see where it was and where it's going. Uh, how did that transition have been as far as like when you came to the league to where we are now with old draft and more sports feel to it? What is your what are your take
3: on how it's gone?
2: Um, you know, I just kind of let Christian do what Christian wants to do. Just you know, tell me when and where I need to show up and who I'm playing with or against. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the the whole soap opera dynamic of it is hilarious. You know, uh, and it's fascinating what people believe and what people don't believe. And it, you know, it's, it took me, it took, there's a learning curve to it. It took me a while to realize what it was. I mean, uh, I didn't like Ben Bateman or Andrew guy until like a year after I was playing because I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a wrestling person. So I didn't, I was like, Oh, these guys are just dicks in suits. And then at Sam Levine's birthday party, a couple, about a year later, I, you know, Ben and I, uh, were in the bar just talked for like 2 hours and you know and he and, he and Drew are like two of my favorite people you know but uh but also he's fun to compete with cuz I beat him so <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is this is going to be a fun if if you're going to talk like that about Ben Bayman throughout this episode then this is going to be a very fun episode <laughs> we're going to have a great time. So, we we love hearing those stories about people kind of tripping out about Ben and Drew. This is an Action Army podcast. This is we've mm-hmm. been fans of Drew and Ben for a very long time and their character work. And we so we love to hear those stories about people being surprised about meeting them in person and then figuring finding out that they are absolutely not their characters. Was there anyone else inside of the league that you had that little aha moment with or about?
2: Um no, not really because I think I think when I when I was first coming in, Drew and Ben were the only two that were, like, really aggressively leaning into the heel thing. I mean, there's the Bob Gucci, Finstock stuff, but, you know, Tom's just, just a nitwit. You just laugh at it. Um, I, I, I say that with love, but, I mean, Tom is about as threatening as the chicken hawk to Foghorn Leghorn. You're like, get away from me, kid. You bother me. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, and then and then you know, and then seeing like Snyder and JTE, but but you know, that's Snyder. That's just who he is. So, um, but yeah, they were the they were the only two that really shocked me. That I was like, oh, okay, now I get it, because they were so the complete opposite of the characters they play. Very much so.
1: Well, now you talked about liking to play Ben, and I think you mentioned liking to play Bibbs as well. I mean, what about it? Those two guys have like made it fun for you compared to everything else. just considering you mentioned them specifically.
2: Well, Bibbs is, you know, my first, the, the first competitor I ever played against. And and to show you how far the game has come, when I was, when that first match, I think that was Bibbs' first match too, um, even though I lost, I was the third highest scoring player ever in a singles match to that point. So after it was over, everyone was like, oh my God, this was a crazy match. I'm like, oh, 20, you know, I, I didn't know. What the points meant and all that. So, and then not too long after that was the uh, the free, my first free for all, right? With with that that clearing the table, which was if you look at the video when I got that, we had in front of us in front of the, the the competitors a wall of monitors. There were five monitors with for each person's score, and I was in the middle, so it said four 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 five. But I didn't think about what the numbers meant. I saw four numbers, four shapes. And one shape, and I just assumed I was the one that was knocked out. So if you watch the tape, you can see me be like, like and I go, oh, and then I start <laughs> playing it up. But uh,
0: That is my my absolute absolute favorite moment I've ever witnessed in the Shmo I've been a long time fan of this. It's oh, been my that's favorite.
2: that's gonna be the last scene they show in my <laughs> memorial video.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be me going,
2: it'll be me going like this waving to people and then it'll pause. <laughs> and <laughs> the end. Right?
0: I would love it. Oh my gosh! That so that that moment was so much fun to see. You were also a part of another really fun moment for a lot of fans inside of the Schmodan, and that's the Finn Draco match. Was which there? I
2: was. Which I had a hundred and two degree fever. Oh, oh yeah,
0: yeah. yeah
2: that that not that That's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. But I I I was I had the flu. I was really sick and. Um but you know how like your first, you know, when you're, when your boss asked you to come in and work an extra shift and it's your first week on the job, you're going to take it. So I honestly, I don't remember that match at all. Uh, I'm surprised uh, Gucci's got the strongest immune system in the world. Cause he washed it after I wore that mask. Cause I was, I literally, my fever was like 101.6 when I left to go to the studio that day. And I just took a bunch of aspirin and just like, you know, powered through it. But, uh, yeah, I mean it was fun, but I can, uh, that's a match I can watch and be like, "Oh, that's not me." I don't, I never saw this one before.
1: Wow! wow. I can't believe it, like 102 fever in that mask too. Mm-hmm. That, it
2: made it so much that worse probably too. broke the fever. Actually, <laughs> some, some some weird dagnito funk cured me or something.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, he does have all his weird or oil or oregano things he uses. You never know what he's got in there. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah, I've heard some of the mythical crack
1: beer e-cigarette?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That exactly
1: that could definitely be it. where he got it from you don't want to know like somewhere in croatia or something we can
2: just assume tom is patient zero for most things it's <laughs> just a, just, a, just a safe bet <laughs> that's very true very
3: true <laughs> well you
1: got your tournament matches coming up now uh, you got your match against matt actually coming up how does that how do you feel
3: about that one like it'd be, it'd
1: be fun, um,
2: good I you know i like matt a lot um i think i think i probably have the edge statistically just because i played so many more singles matches than he did this is i believe going to be his second time playing a singles match ever i think he he played one once before and that was pre-me so that was 2000 late 2016 early 2017 um matt's a smart guy you know there are things that matt doesn't know there are some blind spots that i think but over Overall, I think, he's, I think he's an underrated player. I think he, I think, I think, I think he underrates himself. I think he doesn't realize how good he is. So I never take anybody uh, for granted. And gen, and generally, my whole my whole mantra is: as long as the match is high scoring and close, I don't mind losing. It's just you don't want to be you don't want to be the Super Bowl when it's forty two to nothing in the first quarter and that's the score for the rest of the game. You know, you want it to be neck and neck and neck, and like there were some. I mean, like the pay-per-view stuff this weekend was insane. Yes. You know, the the the, the, the Smets Chandra. You know, and I don't even like Inner them Intergeekdom because Inner them is a whole different Inner them is minutia and a whole different type of memorization. I'm not insulting it, but that's not fun for me. If I'm gonna use if I'm gonna use up that much bandwidth in my brain, I'm gonna read about like. Th- Forensic or like physics or something. I'm not gonna know the thread count of Frodo's jacket in scene two of the extended edition of Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Great, great (laughs) that you know that and and, You know, I know some scary ridiculous minutiae too, but I like it being more Like we're playing in a bar and you know, I would study a little just to shake things up But I don't have binders and that sort of thing. That's just Antithetical to why I do this. It's just for me the moment it becomes that the moment it's not fun anymore and you know as if you work in entertainment if you know you know the experiences when you can watch something as a viewer and not as someone who's breaking it apart when I see a movie or or a TV show where I'm so lean into it and I forget I'm not worried about the writing or the directing or who what the casting choice was those get rarer and rarer because we reflexively it's my job I'm a writer so I'm going to instantly, whether I want to or not, look for things or how I would fix it or what that and that sort of thing. That's just what we do. So to, to be able to do something without that is so rare and so glorious. It's the same thing with the down. I'll study, you know, we studied with, uh, with the Shirewolves. We'd have wine and cheese and do trivia cards and it would be an event. It, w- it, wasn't, it wasn't let's cram for the SAT. The moment it crosses that threshold for me is the moment I'll probably retire because – there's enough. I have enough stressful things in my life that are, that I don't go after. I don't need to add anymore. I don't know. If that answers the question. So, no, no, no
0: just, I think that I think. will say real
2: quick
1: that actually that that is a well, very better answered, eloquent answer to uh, not liking your know, than your
2: partner did, for example,
1: on backstage. <laughs>
2: so like, well, that's just that's just you. That's <laughs> just him. I mean, <laughs> there you, there there there's no, there are no hidden ingredients on that label. <laughs> Not at all. I don't know. I would love him for it. Just the way it is you got to you got to take it for what he is. But uh, go ahead, Danny. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, I was just going to say that that's a um, it's it's completely reasonable to to say that about intergeekdom because it, we all know that 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 division is is definitely tougher in a different way. So it's 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 respect.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, you know you your other side of you as a writer and uh, comic books and everything else. Well, can you tell us how you got first got into comic books? Like, was it a child thing? Did you uh, as a
2: kid, as a kid, when I was three and a half years old, my my older cousin read them, and you know, when you're a little kid, you see someone you think is cool doing something, you copy it. So I learned how to read from Spider-Man comics and Sesame Street when I was like four years old. So I've been reading comics. I've been in the comics industry as a re- from as a reader for. 46 years now.
1: Wow. Oh, wow that's awesome. <clears throat> Do you have any favorite like, characters, like what your favorite characters were growing up?
2: Uh Spider-Man, definitely. You know, because he was a kid who was smart and nerdy and wore glasses and no one really knew how cool he was. You know, so, yeah, absolutely. Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> um, I am on the lower end of the comic side. I'm definitely trying to get into it, trying to get more into comics. And into different types i've found that there's this huge giant world of, of different things out there and i want to bring up this super chat really quickly from mike can. uh bethany and i send love to everyone mark tell us all about your pulse tribute everyone should buy a copy love is love yes.
2: mm-hmm. yeah um, in june of 2016 there was the Pulse nightclub massacre where 49 people killed by a madman and I woke up, you know, the night, that night that happened, I remember seeing a story in the news that said, there's been a shooting at a nightclub. And I'm like, oh, there's been a shooting at a nightclub in America. It must be a day in America. And then I woke (laughs) up the next morning and heard that there were that many people dead. And because it was a gay bar, it really, it really hit me. And and then I found out the demographics of the gay bar. It was so many young uh, LGBT people of color. Uh, And, you know, Gay bars historically had been a place of safety, a place of a a secret clubhouse, if you were. And to have someone go in there and and see people living their truths and be so repressed and damaged and broken that he can't fathom that he could ever be that happy, he has to destroy that happiness, is to me one of the most horrifyingly tragic things in the world. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm glad. I'm glad that guy is dead. Um, he, what he did was awful, but we also need to try and empathize and see how people get to that place. And empathy is not sympathy. Empathy allows us to understand. And uh, you know, so I, I woke up and I was a kid of the, the We Are the World generation. You know, I you know hands across America and all that. So I said, I just typed in, and that was also Gay Pride Weekend in L.A. I just typed in Facebook. Uh, let's do a let's do a, a fundraising comic book I'll organize it and then Paul Dini and his wife Misty called me and said we're taking you out so they, we went down and went down to do the watch the, the gay pride festival and just be seen because being seen in the shadow of such a horrible thing was really important and uh and cut to six months later uh the book had you know over 500 contributors it's a bunch of one and two page stories dealing with it's a book called love is love um Patty Jenkins wrote the introduction for it. It was co-produced by DC Comics and IDW. Uh, Archie let us use their characters. Will Eisner's estate let us use the spirit. Uh, DC let us use all their characters. Marvel let their exclusive creators out of contract just for that. And it, uh, Matt Bomer, JK Rowling, Patton Oswalt, Taryn Killam, um, I mean it's just crazy the amount of people. Uh, a bunch of new creators, I tried to get, you know, I tried to reach out and find some trans creators and that sort of thing and and i purposely didn't make it a just lgbt creators because i felt like everybody has a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or an aunt or an uncle and yes it was a it was gay people that were targeted but it was a human tragedy it was 49 people who were taken in one of the most horrific ways possible and I wanted to, I, I wanted us to, everybody to feel. Now, there is a place for a book that is strictly the, the LGBT point of view for that. But I wanted something that was gonna make people feel. I wanted to reach the widest audience possible because, and I wanted it to be a book, because like with We Are The World, when you hear that song or you hear Do They Know It's Christmas, it brings you back to that place. And you can write a check and send a check to the Red Cross, but the moment you put the check in the mail, boom, you've compartmentalized it, you close that part off. I still can't read Love is Love in one sitting without breaking down because of the level of emotion. And that's the way it should be. The moment we are not bothered by stuff like that, the moment stuff like that doesn't hurt and make us wonder how, where did we go wrong in society, is the moment we become like, like some of the people we have in government right now, become monsters. So, and luckily we've raised over about $400,000 worldwide. There's eight different foreign editions it debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, Seth Meyers graciously had me on uh, to promote the book. Uh, we're, in our, we're in our 11th or 12th printing right now. And uh, yeah. the fifth anniversary is coming up next year. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, a, a fifth anniversary, trying to see if there's a fifth anniversary thing we can do to include uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, the trans uh, audience. Because there, you know... It's really easy. The powers that be, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, the powers that be like minorities all fighting amongst themselves because we outnumber them. And the black and that's what's been so gratifying about the, the the George Floyd marches. In Hollywood, two blocks from my house, there were probably half a million people marched that week. And it was gay, straight, black, white, latino, physically challenged, all ages, all arm in arm peacefully marching. The streets were clean afterwards. We are all in this together, and that's something that this COVID is doing. We're all in this together, and it takes far less energy to be pleasant and to be part of other people's happiness than it does to be an asshole. And as Confu- it's, it's attributed to Confucius on the internet, so he probably had never said this, but hating someone is like taking poison and expecting them to die. I'm gonna get mad about things that matter. I'm gonna get mad about things that really upset me. I'm not gonna get mad about a girl character in Star Wars. That is the height of privilege. If you can legitimately, if that legitimately ruins your day. You have no idea how easy your life is. So how, anyway, oh hallelujah, man!
1: Uh, yes, John Cotter's right. The man should be anointed for sainthood. Oh, <laughs> and also we did have a super chat earlier from Jake Acabenda. So great to finally have the Android on show. Yes, Jake.
2: Hey, Jake, how you doing, man?
1: one of us. I love, I love what you didn't say about that because it's so true. And I think that deep down we know that we are all coming together. And it's slow and it's not as invisible as it could be, but it's there.
2: And, uh, well, you know, playing. let's use the metaphor of a car crash. Right now this country is a high-speed... We are driving the wrong way on the freeway at 85 miles an hour and we hit another car head-on. That happens in seconds. It's going to take years, if not decades. What was the best of America before this happened? Before COVID and, and Trump happened, I'm going to be long dead before we get back to that place of awesome, and that place wasn't that awesome. There has been such a decimation of our society that Trump has done more damage in his administration than fa- I mean, just just the COVID deaths alone are 160,000 now. Yeah. So that yeah. that's 55 911s. That's that's how many Benghazi's. I just, I just, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to get political and I will shut up in a minute. I just don't understand how, you know, I don't understand why, you know, because it's always about two. like right now he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy Social Security. Getting rid of the payroll tax eliminates Social Security. And we're going to see how that's something the Republicans are good at branding. They're good at like global warming. If it's warming, why is it cold? Death panels. You know, the, um, there's a, a, a gay sex columnist. Uh, named Dan Savage, who does his comic called Savage Love, and he's a guest on Bill Maher all the time. And about two years back before Bill Maher went completely wherever he went, you know, on the Dennis Miller train to weirdness, on um, he said, you know, he was talking to, to Dan, and he said, well, you know, gay marriage got passed. And Dan Savage said, no, gay marriage didn't get passed. Marriage equality got passed. He said, if we had been out there still calling it gay marriage, no one. It's all about branding, and that's what we need to get branding about. That's why it's good seeing like the Lincoln Project. I don't care if they're in this for ulterior motives. Those Lincoln Project commercials. I am a salty bitch. Those commercials made me go, "Woo, damn!" <laughs> you know, I'm like, can, can we finally grow up here? The, the Democrats need to stop bringing a spork to a knife fight because the Republicans have AIDS needles and a flamethrower. Wow, you know, <laughs> You're not wrong, so, Branding is an important thing. I'm sure, I'm sure Kelsey agrees too, yes. Uh, but and regardless, regardless of your political bent, and I don't know how you are a follower of something like the Schmodown if you are right wing and ultra conservative. And if you are right wing and conservative, this is, I don't hate you. Other types of people are fine. Come outside. Knowledge is not something to be afraid of. Knowledge is great. When you learn something new, your reaction should be, Oh, I didn't know that. Now I do. Right. Don't be afraid of it. There is nothing to be afraid of. Uh, I do think there are so many people that we, we the, starting with Reagan, we ruined the education system. Reagan was one of the first presidents that said higher education is a privilege, not a right. I want everybody healthier and smarter than I am because right. I then I, can, then I can do less because I'm not getting smarter as I get older. The water level in the pool is dropping. I plateaued in like 93, like April and you know and and I just I just I understand why so many white people are so scared and so afraid of things because they've been told they're the number one they they've been told they're special and then the real world says who the fuck are you so I get where their anger is coming from but the anger being directed at, at others is is the wrong thing it's not the minorities it's these companies that were that are too big you know Look at these. Look at all these corporations. Like, I think it was United. They're like United Airlines might go out of business because of the coronavirus. To which I say to them, well, then if your business is that fragile, it should go out of business. That's Darwinism. <laughs> why? Why? Why are we paying for these shitty companies? Let them fix their ways. It might make our lives a little bit tougher. And I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. I'm not saying that glibly, but I'm talking about these. We we've been sacrificing all of us to the teat of the stockholders, so stockholders can still get their money. Right. Stockholders have become lampreys Sucking the organs out of these organizations Where they should be a symbiotic relationship You go public so the investors So you can create and you can be better This constant chasing of we need 100% Profit every quarter Is not sustainable And how much money does anybody need Billionaires should be illegal No one needs a billion dollars If you you can't live on 150 million dollars you don't deserve to have a dollar it's a Very good point and I, I agree, also. I also want to add on just- and I am running for office, no I'm kidding <laughs> I'd vote for you I'd definitely vote for you at this point Come on. I don't have anything to hide so I, I don't have any really interesting scandals either So
1: <laughs> I don't think they just elbow would, would count on the scandal scale properly in, in politics yeah. <laughs> But no, you're right though. I think that it's a it's thing about, it's about we shouldn't be afraid to have everybody be smarter than you because if everybody's smart, that means the place can
2: only get better it's more, or mm-hmm. better, we're all going to be. A rising tide raises all ships. And story. to appeal to the Americans who ride their ride their hover rounds, and you know their blood type is Mountain Dew Extreme. <laughs> everybody being smarter and healthier than you means you have to do even less work. We would ha- if everybody who was angry about the libs actually like did positive things. We would have flying cars and time machines, and everything would be great. We spend so much time being angry and it's so counterproductive. I'm not I don't, I don't try to be a nice person because I want to be a nice person. Anger is exhausting.
3: It
1: really
2: you know? there's, there's an old there's, when I was a kid there was this old 70s um, bumper sticker it takes like 12 it takes 12 muscles to smile and 300 to frown. and just do it. just smile physically and you sit up. Frown, And you feel you, you. it's a it's not even an emotional thing. It's a physical thing. You feel your body clenching up. Why choose that? Why wake up and say, what am I going to be pissed off about all day today? Once again, it's privilege. It's privilege to be able to wake up and say, I'm going to be mad because that person used a semicolon. And that is against women's rights. <laughs> Come on. It's, yes, there there are injustices of all levels, but let's focus on things that we can actually change and are actually affecting people. And that wasn't a slam on women's rights; that was just an arbitrary thing. Because because believe me, you know the only thing we hate in this country more than black people seems to be women. So you know it's it's just exhausting. But I just I just don't understand expending unnecessary energy on things that don't matter. Yeah, I
0: definitely agree with that. You're. Putting your energy into something that is important for your overall health and for your mental health. And then just thinking about negative stuff all day just just is not a good thing at
2: all. And I have to remind myself of that as well. You know, I don't say this like I'm some guru. The, the things I say, I say to myself every day because I need to remind myself: stop, stop staring at your navel. Don't get upset about things that don't matter. You know. Get up, get dressed, go outside, don't stay inside all day, and stew, get out and interact with people, you know. It, it, these are these are things that I have to do, you know. Any good personal trainer makes you work out the exact same way they do, so I hear. Uh, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't know.
0: Wouldn't
1: know, yeah, yeah, not doing a whole lot, unfortunately. But well, you know, speaking of positive, like trying to get back into positivity, let's look, let's get back to where you were. You were a child reading comics, now you're a writer. How did that happen? How did you get into writing? Like, where did you decide that
2: this, this story is going to annoy people that struggle <laughs> and fought to be a comic book writer and blood, sweat, and tears? So, I was. Uh, in college, in Kent Kent State University, in Kent, Ohio, and um, uh, I was working at a newsstand. And this guy came in, and was buying a copy of an animation magazine, it was all about Beauty and the Beast, because that had just came out. I was talking to him at the counter, like, oh, this is such a great movie. And then he paid with his credit card, and I saw that his name was Philip Craig Russell. And I'm like, are you P. Craig Russell, the comic book artist? Because I knew he lived in town, he's like, yeah. And I had been a fan of his since I was like seven or eight years old, and we became friends. And like, he did the poster art for a couple of, show, of plays I directed when I was in, at university. And uh, Craig's, one of his first big projects at Marvel was a Doctor Strange annual. Doctor Strange annual one from 1974. And Craig was supposed to write it. He like wrote and drew like the first 25 pages, I think. And then they just for on spec I and mean, they, they brought in another, another writer to finish it. And Craig had always talked about how it wasn't, that wasn't his, re, it wasn't his story. I'm like, well, why don't you just call Marvel? This was, this was in the mid nineties. And I said, why don't you just, you know, you're a big way, call Marvel, tell him you want to do a director's cut. Just do the new ending, do those 10 pages. So that's a good idea. So I was in rehearsal, didn't see him for a couple of weeks. And I get a call, I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, yeah, Marvel said yes. I'm like, awesome. He's like, when can you start? It's like, <laughs> what? He's like, "Well, he's like, "Well, I want you to write it with me." I'm like, "Wow." What? He said, "Yeah." I said I told Marvel and he said, "I said Marvel said yes?" He said, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh, okay. So that's how I became a comic book writer." <laughs> and you never So, yes. Not Rita a book. Hayworth, Rita Hayworth at the Soda Fountain, but the really sort of far less financially successful one. <laughs> Yeah. So, had it ever crossed your mind to write comics before that? No, I wanted to. You know, I had wanted to be a comic book artist as a kid, but I lacked the discipline. I, I, I couldn't. I knew what I wanted to see, and the actual time of drawing it to see that, I just, I just it was it drove me crazy. Uh, and then I was in. I majored in theater in college, and when you're a freshman, everybody's majoring in acting. And then I started directing, and just loved directing theater, and ended up directing and producing a lot of theater in cleveland after i graduated and just sort of fell into writing i had ideas that i thought would be good and i tried to head to a couple of friends to write with me sort of like you know editing whatever and i realized that was going to ruin friendships you know because it's just like i so saw him like i'll just do it myself and <laughs> somehow people fell for the fact that i know what i'm doing and 27 years later i'm talking to you guys in the middle of a plague about a movie trivia show i do on youtube so the welcome to the, welcome to fellini world
0: that's exactly what every parent of uh, someone with a uh, kid in with a theater degree hopes for
1: hey i have a theater degree i gotta say mark isn't those i went to school for theater as well those college theater communities can be so
2: batch and crazy but yet so oh bad. some of my best friends i made in college i i was lucky because kent state didn't have a conservatory level program, but because when I was there, there were three different acting teachers who all hated each other and all believed in different methods, and we had four different performance spaces. I directed four main stage shows as an undergrad. You wow. don't get to do that at NYU or Juilliard. You know, we got to make our own stuff, and you know, and I'm, I can't believe I'm going to be quoting a Republican general or paraphrasing, but Norman Schwarzkopf famously said, and he was the, the general back in the days of the first Gulf War. Before either of you were probably alive, um, I'm a little, I'm there with you. Okay, well, good. Yeah, the the first Gulf War took place in the last century, in the early nineties. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he said he said he didn't learn to be a five star general by studying under good by serving under good leaders. He learned by so- serving under bad leaders because he had to figure out how to do it himself. And you know, th- that's a similar thing to what we did in college. We were just too stupid to not to you know. You know, at 19, I directed Oscar Wilde Salome with a cast of 20, uh, seven people fully nude and body painted doing the dance of the seven veils, a disembodied head, original music, blood, spears. I am, you know, speaking in verse. Because I was 19. You're supposed to fail spectacularly when you're 19. I want more kids in college to realize you're paying to fail spectacularly, especially in the arts. Aim high in college because that's the place to do whatever the fuck you want. Because in the real world, those chances aren't gonna be there. You're paying, you're paying for that 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 institution to be open. They're not in charge of you. You are the customer, and the customer is always right. Do stuff, force yourself to do stuff. The stuff I directed in college, I would never attempt to direct right now if it was my first time. Because you know, youth might be wasted on the young, but there's something to be said for youth, youthful arrogance, because why not? Yeah. And especially in the especially in the safety net of college. That's what it is. If you're going to be in debt, fuck, you know, f- make some make some good trouble. Make some good fucking trouble.
1: Absolutely. I have a, I have a, my oldest, my oldest child the trans, trans man. When she was identifying as female when she first went to school. And mm-hmm. her big thing, that she wanted to do, was she did this gender bending modern version of Jesus Christ superstar in the round. And I got to tell you, I, I was like, that's a mind trip and a half. And it was so well done, though. It was so much fun. I was like, this is what you should be doing when you're in college. Do this kind of shit and get it out. Yeah. there. Do what you want to do. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I love that. I love that idea. Not...
2: How long How long has your son been out as a trans man?
1: Uh, recent. It's actually been very recent. Uh, the past uh, three months now, about three months now, he's been going. Into...
2: And, and he sat you down and told you?
1: He did. Uh, he, well, it's kind of one of those things like he was, you know, for the longest time, he was Hand, and then he kind of went with. It. He was like, maybe gay, but he'd buy for
2: life. Kids the these kid. days, man, they're so fucking cool. If we could, if we just gave them the educational tools they needed, we could all just retire. Right? I would just be sitting in my barca lounger eating wings and watching the world go by right? because these kids are so progressive as far as gun rights and gun control and and human sexuality. And you know, I went to I grew up in Mentor, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland. And my graduating class was like nine hundred and eighty nine people. There was one person of color. Who was an Indian? There were right. two Asians and a Jew. I mean, it's it sounds like a joke. Like and they walked into <laughs> the high school. So and now and now and now my high school has a Gay Straight Alliance and they have copies of Love and Love and the alumni display and I'm like, where is this world? Yeah. Kids are so cool. I mean, you know, you even see straight kids, straight guys are like, yeah, I made out with my my best friend. We just tried it. It was it was whatever. It was fine. Like, where Where, where am I? I feel like I was. I feel like a crow magnon man giving being held an, given an iPhone. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? And it's great. It's great. It, it gives me hope because the whatever the generation under the millennials, the ones who are just starting to turn eighteen and vote. Mm-hmm. God damn, they inspire me. They yeah. remind me. They remind me of the, the act up, people, the AIDS protesters in the '80s they were they look like what it must have felt like to be those the the people in selma and all the, the, the protest marchers and they they're right to be angry
3: because
2: okay. we we give we're, we're leaving them with a shit sandwich i want their righteous anger i i want bring on bring on the 18 and 19 year old overlords right now because they have more empathy and more concern for outside of their own 5 foot radius than their grandparents do so
1: you know right, I you're right in that every generation seems to be getting more and more open so it's excited to move on to see what's going to happen with the next generation.
2: Can you imagine being 18 right now? No. <sighs> being 18 sucks no matter how cool your life is. Uh-huh. We go through that emotional puberty until you're 30 and then you realize oh shit, I'm responsible for my own decisions. They don't ever talk about that. But being 18 right now, I don't I don't know I don't know how people do it. I don't know the level of PTSD that we're going to experience. If I had a kid in college, I'd say study psychiatry because you're going to be working for the rest of your life. Under ten percent my ass. You know, or, or study or, or study lighting and 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 uh sound design for film and TV. Cause all the below the line people are going to be, they're not going to be below the line when this is over. Cause once we're allowed to start filming again, they're going to be able to name their price as they should. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah, kids out there, psychology, animal psychology because every dog in the world is going to have crazy. That's going to be what makes it, uh, planet of the apes. When we all go back to work, the dogs are going to evolve and they're going to be our overlords. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm good with that. You know, if somebody can feed me and pick up my shit, I'm, I'm golden. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, but study, study below the line, lighting and sound on films and TV, Animal psychology or psychiatry, and you will be working for the rest of your life. And as Americans with the coronavirus, mortuary sciences are probably a good thing too. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Wow. You know, so you mentioned like directing. You love directing the theater. Mm-hmm. Everything else. Is, is as directing movies ever been something that you wanted to get into? Or could you possibly still do something? Um, uh, you
2: journey? know, uh, yes and no. Um, it's an entirely different beast. It is. Um, and the um, the amount of competition. For it, I mean, I would love to, given the alignment of things. But the stuff that I write is not the stuff I like to direct. I write like big budget stuff. I would much rather, if I was going to direct, I'd much rather direct the Big Chill than Jurassic World, uh, because when uh, when I'm, first of all, it is sort of obscene that we spend three hundred million dollars making movies, and there are children, hundreds of thousands of children that go to bed hungry or go to their car to bed hungry every night. Don't get me wrong, I like a big budget spectacle. But some of this stuff, the, 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 the moral rot of it, kind of, yeah. Um, especially since these corporations don't pay taxes. If they all paid taxes, then I'd be fine with it. But they don't. They do. none of these corporations contribute anything back to society. Um, but yeah, I think directing would be fun. I, once again, it would be a smaller character-based thing. Um, because, you know, on those big-budget movies, you might be the director. But unless you're of a, a handful of people... It's not you. It's all the stuff around you, and it's the marketing department, and it's the licensors, and it's you know the that the lead actor has an acting coach who has input on the you know it's so much stuff that I'm much I love working with actors. I love rehearsing. I love research. That's the best part of any project. So it's why I like theater more. And I would love to do some more theater if I could get get the chance to, if we're ever allowed to be in groups of more than four in an enclosed space ever again. Oh, well, what's your dream project, and if you going to direct a the theater like next? theater project you can come back um, there's there's a, there's a bunch there's a bunch it's all over the place like i would love to do a revival of uh, ira levin's death trap okay. which was famously made into a movie with christopher reeve michael caine and diane cannon um i would love to direct the musical camelot because I, I i love king arthur and i think that that musical is deeply flawed but I, I think i know how to fix it and make some edits um yeah you know and uh, it just it just varies uh generally i like the stuff i'd be interested in directing is stuff that i've never seen produced before uh it's reading a play or hearing about a play and then getting my own sort of conception before i see it because you're no matter how much you think you can shut that stuff out you're going to be influenced by the directors that have come before you so
1: absolutely I, mean, I directed a few shows myself and i always have a hard time trying to make that jump to something else but i guess so and
2: by the way when you're directing something it should scare you I'm a big believer that if I read a play and I know what every single scene looks like in my head, I have no interest in directing it. If I know how the two or three big scenes kind of look and the rest sort of makes my my teeth hurt a little, that's what I want to do. Because I think as an artist, and this is gonna sound pretentious, you have to have a little bit of fear in your belly. Too much fear can be just as arrogant as saying, I have a writer's block and or my words are perfect. But the moment you're not a little bit nervous is the moment you're probably not very good anymore.
1: I like that, well, let me talk about creation. Still, actually, a question I definitely had for you: you create a, like some characters now in the comic book world that have lasted. Mm-hmm.
2: Who is your favorite character that you've created? Well, Kate Spencer, Kate Spencer, Manhunter. Yeah, I mean, that that the the road to how that book came about, and then the reaction by the fans is just just you know, it's like candyland. It's you know, you're just like it's just it's just crazy because I had been doing, I had written three issues of a Thunder Agents revival for DC, and two of them were fully done. And the guy that owned the trademark at the time was just a lunatic. And DC was, had said, you know, this guy's so much work that unless this book is going to sell, you know, Batman levels, it's really, literally, financially not worth it to make our legal department deal with this guy. Right. That uh, one, you know, I was like, okay, great, fine. Um, and then Dan DeDio called me and said, hey, how about Manhunter? I'm like, which one? You have like 30 of them. He's like, I want, a, I want a new one, and she's a female. You want to do it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I thought about it, and I had just been doing a big rewatch of Katherine Hepburn's movies, because I believe it was right around when she passed. Okay. And, and I'm a big fan of, of um, Helen Mirren's Prime Suspect, which if you haven't watched Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren, do yourself a favor, and this is the perfect time to watch it. It's seven different miniseries. She won a couple of Emmys for it. And she plays this character, Jane Tennyson, who's this homicide detective in England. And she's chain smokes and she's divorced. And she had an abortion. And she's abrasive. And she hates herself. And she's everything Wolverine is, but she's magical because she has breasts. You know, and I was like I was like, you know, the whole the whole Madonna whore thing in our society, women can either be sexualized villains or they can be pure and and i don't write characters who are female characters or gay characters or whatever i write characters who happen to be things because i'm a gay guy but being gay is a huge part of who i am but also an utterly insignificant part of who i am and i as a as a a reader and as an audience member never like being talked to or talked at you know, I don't like didactic stuff. I, you know, if I was a dog, I would never get a pill wrapped in the lunch meat. I would, I, I would know the pill is in there and spit it out. So I don't, I don't like to do that. And I like, pre- I like to present things and let the themes and stuff of that come out that way. So I was like, okay, well, what if I do a female manhunter? And what if she is an abrasive bad mom? She's a divorcee. I said, what if it takes place in Los Angeles since the DC universe is all fake cities? What if it's a real city? And what if she's a federal prosecutor like the original one? And what if she's a prosecutor who prosecutes supervillain crime as a metaphor for the celebrity crime out here? You know, so in the first issue, in the first issue, she's smoking and she's, you know, she's sort of a, a bitch. And in, in the best sort of way, she's a broad, you know, she's one of those. She's she would have been a box office draw in the 40s, like when it was <laughs> Betty Davis and John Crawford, because all those women back then were tough. And could hold their own, but they weren't desexualized. They weren't. They weren't masculine. And I wanted to do that. So in her first case, she's prosecuting uh, Copperhead, who's this snake guy, and he ate, he robbed a bank and ate twelve people, and he gets found not guilty for reasons of genetic anomaly, which would be a legitimate defense. Right, I was born that way. And he gets out, and the first thing he does is he starts eating people again. So she goes into an evidence locker and she builds herself a costume out of confiscated supervillain tech, and she kills bad guys. But she's not the Punisher. She wouldn't kill the Riddler because the Riddler's just an annoying bank robber. But she's like, why the fuck is the Joker still alive? He's never going to get mainstreamed and be cleaning, t- you know, trays at Taco Bell. He's murdered a million and a half people at least by now. Keeping him alive is do is is tempting fate. You know, and and I don't necessarily believe everything she does as well. So to have a character, because I'm really conflicted about the death penalty. I think in, in a vacuum, there are definitely people that don't deserve the privilege of being alive and don't contribute anything to society. And it, it costs like $80,000 a year to keep someone in prison. I don't know about you guys, but I haven't made $80,000 a year every day of my life, every year of my life. And, I, you know, three squares, healthcare, library, gym. I mean... I'm being a little glib there, but you know, I I just, I I like, there's gotta be something, when when I'm creating something, there's gotta be something in it that if I wasn't creating it, I would pay to read. I can't ask anybody out there to spend $4 on a comic book or 20 on a graphic novel or 15 on a movie or watch a TV show that I'm involved with if I wouldn't do the same. And that sort of circles back ironically to being a writer. I'm a writer out of necessity. I wanna see these stories so I do it so they can happen. Not because I think I have anything to offer the world. I've just got that director's commentary in my head and I need to get it out on paper.
0: Okay. I believe that you do have something to offer to the world. Sir, you have a very uh, a very good perspective and a different perspective that uh, that should be heard and seen as, as just a normal voice in society. So I definitely appreciate every single thing that you do and everything that you've said so far in this interview. It really shows how in touch you are with what's going on in the world and uh, it only
2: took 50 years
0: only only
1: only 50 so yeah this is great. there you go. Well, so, I see we chat Mike you can hashtag and Draco 2020 hashtag 2020 hashtag 2020 that's quite a, a group there thank you Mike for that um, but I think it's almost- oh, oh,
2: one, one, one last thing yeah. I forgot about uh, when we were talking about love is love love right. is love is still available uh, all profits continue to go to ch- LGBT charities. Uh, the first year, we donated a couple, uh, almost two hundred thousand, to the survivors and victims' families of the Pulse nightclub shooting. The second, third year, we've given tens of thousands of dollars to the Trevor Project, which is a great uh, uh, suicide prevention counseling hotline for LGBT youth. That is a fantastic organization. So, you buy a copy of Love Is Love, whether digitally or print, and every dime that doesn't go to cover the basic expenses goes directly to charity every single person donated their time and it's still it, we're going to keep it in print forever and it's going to continue to do good so just don't read it publicly because you will utterly cry mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah damon damon lindelof and uh leniel you did probably my favorite piece in the book and it's it will just tear your heart out it's really really wonderful
1: well, Jake here in the chat, Jake, is the king of links for us. We'll get some links, I'm sure, and we'll throw them in there for everybody to click on and get there as well. Um, so there. Uh, one last question before we get into this, that. Speaking of Kate Spencer, see, he, she did have her appearance in the CW show uh, on Arrow. Ish. ish so i asked you how you
2: talked about That's that. Earth 4. That's Earth 4. Right. That's Earth, <laughs> that's earth, that's earth Canadian local hire. Fair enough, fair enough, I'll leave it at that then No, I mean, I I loved it, you know, Mark Guggenheim's a good friend And it was great that he put her in there But with everything else going on, you know, all the other moving parts and that It wasn't like, you know, he called me and said, we're killing her I'm like, okay, okay, she she appeared in one other episode and never in costume So, Kate Spencer, I'm sure there's probably a bunch of them on the planet So
1: There you go, that's true, there you go Is
2: that ever been anything you wanted to see? you wanted everybody want to be involved? Oh more yeah, in- absolutely. there's there's interest in it too. There's there has been for a very long time. Uh, uh, you know, it's just you know it took Warner Brothers twenty years to get a Batman movie made. So nothing. There's no such thing as overnight in Hollywood. Any overnight success you hear about, they're they're selectively removing ten years prior to that. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, you know, I would love it. I, there's so many. I think it would be great for HBO Max. I think I think it's a streaming show. I don't think it's a movie. Um, but there are so many different ways to go with the casting of it, uh, you know. And there there are people that I would love to see play the part. Um, and you know, who knows? Who knows? Is the Dan? My Dan- mom knows start? who my mom knows who Groot is. So anything is possible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it can be made. Anything is possible this day.
2: If you had told me when I was 12 years old that Groot would be one of the most popular characters in fiction when I was an adult, I would say, okay, and I'm going to grow horns and turn <laughs> into the Minotaur.
1: <laughs> Very true. Very true.
2: Uh,
1: all right. We're going to get into this or that. We do have a couple of Streamlabs that have been piling up. So we'll get to them soon as we do after this or that. If you have not watched the show before, this is where I'm going to be giving Mark choices, option A, option B. And he can choose uh, between them. He so can either expound on it if you want, so you can ask for clarification. Um, you know, if you have any you want to throw up in the chat too, uh, I'll throw them up, up there as well. Um, first one we ask is when we are always that uh, being an Action Army podcast. Uh, Mark, are you team guy? Or are you Team Trader?
0: There's only one right answer.
1: Uh, in what context? <laughs> but, uh,
0: in the context, In What
1: context? How about as in who would you root for in a match? And it wasn't. You're not facing <sighs> them, and has nothing to do with
2: points or standings or anything else. Guy versus. I, I appreciate them both for different reasons. Right. Well, you. Yeah. And if if I if you know if 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 I'm gonna if I can objectify. Uh, At at one of the first, the first event we did at the El Portal, uh, we were down in the green rooms getting ready. And it was the one where I was Jared Leto from Fight Club (laughs) without the rape uh, or the cult. (laughs) Disney's that Tron movie is never getting made by the way. Disney is never going to make a Tron movie with a cult, a a rapist cult leader in a movie that's never happening. (laughs) And, And second of all, no one wants to see another Tron movie. Tron is not good. The first movie is dreadful and boring. The second movie is the world's longest techno haze, ecstasy haze at the world's most boring gay bar. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's one sound cue for three and a half days. Um, anyway, uh, I, I was going to objectify because we were walking down. I was walking down by the changing rooms, and and, and Drew came out without a shirt on. Uh, he was, you know, getting changed, and I was like, I was like, oh, damn, I think I like the Action Army now. <laughs> <laughs> but I well, want to be like I, I would be like uh, uh, Diane Weist in Roll Over, Broderick. Drew, shh, don't speak, don't speak. <laughs> no, but Drew great. Drew, Drew is a really wonderful guy, and 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 such a great actor. People don't realize how much of what he's doing is a performance. It took me a year to realize it. And underneath it all, he's one of the sweetest, nicest guys I've ever met. And Ben is, Ben's a softy too. I mean, Ben and I will always be like nemeses in the match just because it's fun, but it's the, it's the fun kind of rivalry. You know, it's not like I wish him ill. I want to continue to beat him in singles, but you know, it's fun. So they're, they're both good guys. They're both good guys. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, go right down the middle on that one okay fair enough That's okay.
1: That was,
2: so.
1: <laughs> all right here we go uh, playing in singles or playing in teams
2: uh depends on my mood right now you know i'm diving back into singles uh <clears throat> inspired by ben at the awards he was just running off his mouth i'm like ugh. all right all right fine i'm back <laughs> um, <sighs> um, um thank- and um but teams is teams is super fun, because it's it's getting to figure out how you jive with the other person. Hopefully, it's someone with strengths that aren't your strengths and weaknesses that aren't your weaknesses. You know, I I hope to have many different partners in my schmodown career, just because it's so much fun. And I think, also, all of us are looking for a change, not because we don't like where we're at, but just because we're also stir crazy. We're also You know, we're on the last page of all work and no play makes Jack the ball boy. Mm -hmm. And, and just, just to shake things up. I mean, you know, how great would it be if Snyder and Roko were a team? Wow. Or me and Ben, you know, how much fun would that be? You know, remember how much fun it was when Bibiani and Nose were a team for like two times? (laughs) It was, it was the absolute best. And I, I, I think, I think it would be fun. I would also like to do, I would love to do a season of uh, veterans and newbies where we're all, where we're paired with someone new, you know, like, you know, like if I was paired with, you know, Chandru. Right. Or someone like that, or someone other new, there's so many people, there's so many new players. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. I've never met them. Like, that's great. But I think there could be, I think we could do stuff like that just to shake things up. And I think, you know, Christian's all in for, doing interesting stuff and keeping it going and you know and these these zoom matches i think are working better than anybody expected they still aren't there's still a hydrox cookie when i really want an oreo cookie right but that's better than it being a rock when i want a cookie you know and i think the more i think the more we do the better they'll get and i just gotta give a big shout out to you know we all love christian and this is christian's baby but but this would not exist without Mark Ellis. Mark Ellis is an absolutely exemplary human being. I couldn't. Uh, he could show up at my house with a body in his trunk, and I, and I would say, "Let me help you bury." You and tell me after we're done why they deserved it. Mark is Mark is just. I I can't say enough about him. He's somebody that I want to be better friends with because he's just he's just a delightful guy. And when I, you know when I hear the words stand up comedian, I go oh. He's fucking <laughs> he's good. I he forgo- what I've seen him perform I forget that I know him that's and good. that's the biggest compliment I can give to somebody if I know you and I'm watching you work and I forget that we're friends he's he's just he's just the best guy on the planet and I can't I can't say that enough in enough different places how wonderful he is.
1: I 100% agree. Like we've we've met him a few times ourselves, and I tell you, even meeting him for the brief amount of times you have met, him, you just know that he's listening to you. He's genuine. He's really there oh, for you. Like yeah, remember
2: when you're talking to him, he is listening to you. Yep. That's 100%. the same. There's no, there's no, there's no fake. There's no Hollywood bullshit. If you're talking to him, he is fully present.
1: That's great, and he remembers. We remember like a couple months later, you'll see it. You. Like, oh yeah, I remember. How's that going? Uh, it's refreshing. It's refreshing in this kind of day
2: where there's a lot of bullshit out there. Well, most people are pretty decent. You're right. Um, you're unfortunately, the assholes and evil ones are the, 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 the squeaky wheels. You know, like the Million Moms March. Those are three women that live in two double wides in, you know, Kentucky. There's right. not a million of them. Once again, branding on the right. You know, it's, it's, it's most people, most people just want to live their lives and be left alone to live their lives happily and they want everyone else to be happy. You know, it's, it's, it's that simple. And we need to lean into that more. If what you're doing is not hurting me or hurting anyone else, go at it. Hundred and ten
1: hundred percent. Uh, just kind of just say you lost him. He wants Andreco and Smets.
2: And a... <laughs> I would, I, I, when I did, uh, when I did Gucci verse or Gucci world or whatever that lunacy is called on Friday, um, uh, I said I would love to if Kevin ever ever was going to play in the regular leagues I would I would partner with Kevin in a second and a half because Kevin is also another one of these exemplary human beings he is just such a good dude and and you know you look at him and I always joke that he should be Johnny Bravo for kind of Halloween because he looks like uh, uh, doesn't he? if he just had that big bouffant and a black t-shirt and sunglasses yeah. it's easy but, uh, but he's just a really good guy, and you know, and I couldn't be happier for him. He's married now, and he's expecting a baby. And yeah, even though he lost, you know what? That rivalry is good for the fans. It's good for us. We need to lose. We all need to lose every now and then because, as I've said ad nauseum, success is a lying, phony, evil witch. Failure is where it's at. Failure makes you who you are. Success is—it's why when you see someone like why Justin Bieber goes crazy. I was nineteen years old and homeschooled and suddenly had three hundred billion dollars, I was an asshole when I was nineteen, and uh, I didn't have three hundred million dollars. Right? I wasn't—I wasn't the ATM for three hundred people. Right? Oh man. So you know it's why you know failures are good for you. They're not fun when you're having them. But I would not trade any of my failures because they've, they've shaped they shape who you are. You have to learn from them. If you don't, you're eventually going to die, I guess. You're eventually, you know, the Darwinism will come in. But, yeah, we need, to, we need to not be ashamed of failures. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. There's nothing. In fact, people are so afraid of doing that. They say, it's a mistake, or I was wrong. They don't know how to react. Everybody expects you're going to give them that fake apology. I'm sorry you didn't understand me. If someone says that to me, I'm going to punch them in the throat because that's – sometimes as an adult, you apologize even when you're right.
1: Yeah.
2: F- fancy mm-hmm. that. That's why I'm so still married.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Luckily my wife to sleep though, so I not hear this. Okay. <laughs> Alright, got another one now. Let's, let's say DC came to you and they gave the
2: choice to write Superman or write Batman. Oh, Superman. Absolutely. Superman. Well, uh, from, from For a monthly comic book, absolutely. I think Superman is far easier to write than... I'm sorry, go ahead. ...Batman, and I have Batman stories I want to tell, but writing that as a monthly book... Would be really, really, really hard. Um, if I had an idea, I would, I would, I would do it. But as as it stands, if I was offered right now, you can have monthly Superman or monthly Batman. I would take Superman just because I think Superman's more. There's so much more interesting stuff to be done there. I think what Bendis is doing with Superman right now is really fun, and I got to do a little peripheral stuff with Supergirl at the time. Um, and you know, I'm a Clevelander. Superman was created in Cleveland. <laughs> so there's, there, there's, there, there's, sort of that sort of like symmetry. And, and, and I just, I just think that there, I think Superman is a character who is incredibly difficult to make interesting, but incredibly simple to make interesting in the same breath, if that makes any sense. So
1: I've heard like a lot of times i hear hearing a writers, they say that they have a hard time that Superman is just he's so powerful and everything else. has a hard time making something sense out of that. I'm making that work consistently. Um, but I'm so interested in hearing you say that. That's, that's, that's cool. Well, I think- I,
2: ironically, he is an alien, but he is the most human being on the planet. He is he is someone who puts everyone else before himself and expects nothing in return. And that's hard to write because most of us don't even understand what that begins to be like. And And, and he doesn't do it because he's a martyr. He doesn't do it for the accolades. He does it because it's the right thing to do. And I think a lot more of us could going back to love is love after doing that book and having parents of people who were killed in the club or survivors thank me for the book, which is something I can't even comprehend. I did it as a, as a sort of to heal myself and to have it actually affect people who experience those losses is such a privilege. And I try. Since then, I've tried to learn something new every day, and I try to be nice to at least one stranger every day. That can be simply holding a door. That can be letting someone in traffic. That can be saying to the old lady behind you, "Oh, I like your blouse." And you know what? When so when you do that, not only does it make you feel good, but that can change the trajectory of someone's day. Someone might be going and wanting to go home and put their head in the oven, and you saying to them, "Oh." I like when did you get your hair done that's that's a really great color that could stop them we we do not know the impact of our of our words or our actions positively or negatively and I do now from doing love is love and I try to every day be nice to a stranger and it gets big sometimes it's big sometimes it's there's a homeless family on the street and I'll buy a, I'll buy groceries and give them groceries sometimes it's simply letting someone make the left hand turn in front of me but, but literally you know the, the old Aesop's fable the the crow putting the pebbles in the, the urn to make the water rise everything starts with a little piece and just don't you don't have to do it every day try and do one nice thing a week to a stranger you will you'll, you'll be amazed how much better you'll sleep and how much how much lighter you'll feel just spiritually and that's what and, and doing it once a week will lead to doing it more too because it's and, and if i can do it Anybody can, because I am C. I'm C plus on a good day. Trust me. If I can do it, it ain't that hard, folks.
0: And give gratitude to yourself. Well, on this, give gratitude to yourself also every night before you go to sleep. Make sure that you thank yourself and and write some things down that you're grateful for. So I I love this.
2: Oh, that's not what I thought you meant by giving gratitude to oneself. <laughs> Well, that helps you go to sleep sometimes, too. but
0: <laughs> Absolutely, go for it. It helps you go to sleep at night. Give gratitude to yourself in whatever way that you would feel fast.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, actually, my next addition for that, that was Henry Cavill is Superman or Henry Cavill is the Witcher? <laughs>
2: Uh, Henry Cavill as Clark Kent in the bathtub with Lois in Batman vs. Superman. I have never wanted to be reincarnated as a pair of black denim jeans more than that moment.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I'm in my gratitude
2: journal tonight. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of gratitude for Henry. Good question. So much I have to switch hands. Gratitude.
3: (laughs) I was going to
1: throw a novice walker there, too, but there you got it now. I'll I'll take that, and that's definitely a good good final answer. Um, All right. You said it before, clearing the table or uh, winning the the team belt?
2: Um, Probably winning the team belt just because clearing the table happened so early that I knew it was a fun moment, but I didn't know that it would be one of those, you know. Do you remember the old Wide World of Sports on ABC and the opening credits for like three or four of the Thrill of Victory and the? I didn't know that that event, that that moment would be in that reel. I didn't know that that was a moment that was going to be part of the, the schmodown down. Welcome to schmodown down. Here's the pack. So if I could go back with the knowledge I have now, I would probably appreciate that more because it was also those four people that I beat was just like. The only the only good thing the movie The Spirit ever did was help me get rid of those four people, because I love the Will Eisner Spirit stuff. And that is that movie took me four days to watch. That movie is one of the worst things. If I had six months to live, I would watch that every day, and it would feel like I lived to be one hundred and nine. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Jackson literally throws the kitchen sink at the Spirit in that movie. A literal kitchen sink. Not a lot of sad, I'll be there. <laughs>
0: this the movie I'm going to have to try.
2: It's
1: uh, I don't know if he need to. I really don't know if he needs to. I mean, cool. yeah. the try watches. He's never seen the movie. So oh, like,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not a movie that's so good so bad it's good. This is a movie that's so bad it's depressing and then infuriating. Okay. Because, because one, there's some good things in it. Gabriel Macht is perfect casting, Dan Loria is perfect casting. Um, even, even, even Mendez is great, but the, but everything else is so ill-conceived, and it's not Will Eisner's the spirit; it is Frank Miller's the spirit. His name is in big letters, and the spirit's little tiny. And don't get me wrong; Frank is obviously a huge influence and a huge, a huge titan in comics and film. This everybody has an off day, you know. Spielberg made the BFG, so <laughs> true. Very
1: true. All right. Uh, got two more I'll say. I know, speaking of uh, the spirit and movies you love, uh, La La Land or Saving
2: Private Ryan? <laughs> um, Saving Private Ryan. Because Saving Private Ryan is mostly a good movie. There's just two moments that turn it into garbage. Um, and La La Land is just, I've said this before, La La Land should be called North Hollywood Dicks. <laughs> Emma Stone's character it shows you how lovable and how much we like Emma Stone that you don't realize that she is a psychotic hypocrite in that movie he's out he's out with John Legend's band actually making jazz maybe not jazz that you like but actually doing taking existing popular music and improvising and it's popular and he's a sellout and then she comes back into shitty rom-coms with Tom Everett Scott and she's allowed to do that fuck you, lady. And she's also like, I've been here for three years, and I'm not famous yet. I'm like, I've been here for 23, and I can't get arrested. It takes time. And then when she then when she said I'm doing a one-woman show about my teen years in Albuquerque, I went to theater school. I know what that one-woman show is. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan Gosling looks like a serial killer in that movie. I keep waiting for him to just murder her. Right, and one ahead. last thing It forgets it's a musical for 45 minutes
3: And decides <laughs> it is
2: again That's true <laughs> my, 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 my favorite thing about the Oscars that year Was I was at an Oscar party And they announced The winner is La La Land And I looked at my phone and it was 9-11 And I said huh And I tweeted <laughs> La La Land wins best picture at 9-11 Some moments are perfect And then the rest of it happened Oh, So good
0: I was in a bar uh, at in Denver. I, I traveled travel for work, so I was in a I was in a hotel bar in Denver watching that whole moment go down. And I remember like putting my head down, and hearing that La La Land won, and then as soon as like I heard it like on the on the TV screen about me, like raised up and started basically. Str- I was fairly drunk at the point, but like screaming.
2: Oh, and. and- and just for the people that are going to come at me because of my talking about saving private Ryan back in the day, there was a magazine called premier magazine back in the days before the internet where you would read articles about movies and they do an issue of like what's coming out in the next year. And it was fantastic. Um, in fact, I, I have every issue of it in boxes in my closet cause I'm that weirdo. Um, <laughs> but William, William, the screenwriter, William Goldman, who wrote butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid and the sting and misery and the princess bride, uh, was writing a column he also wrote a book called adventures in the screen trade that i thoroughly recommend to anyone who's interested in hollywood writing at all and he talked about saving private Ryan, and i'm going to i'm going to tell you what he said because that's exactly what's wrong with the movie but he said it first and better the beginning of the movie the old man looks up and becomes tom hanks then that means the old man is tom hanks you are visually saying that old man is tom hanks because by making that man Matt Damon at the end of the movie, he wasn't privy to two-thirds of what we just sat through. That's that's a lazy cheat, and Spielberg knows better. And the other thing that is infuriating about that movie is we're all, in the, we're all in the army in World War II. We're told there's a guy, he's the last of his five brothers who's left alive. We get him and bring him back. We get to go home. We don't have to fight anymore. So we go find him. And he says, no, I want to stay and fight. And we say, okay, let's stay and fight. No, I'm going to knock your ass out and tie you to a stick and drag you fucking back to base. All that needed to happen is the Nazis just cut them off. That whole thing, I'm going to because that suddenly makes Ryan an asshole. Your parents lost every one of your siblings. This isn't about you. This is about them now. And it makes Matt Damon's character such a douchebag. And so much of that movie is brilliant.
3: Right. I mean,
2: that opening sequence is if if you have if you ever have a teenage teenager who wants to enlist in the service, sit them down and we'll show them the first 20 minutes of saving private Ryan. They'll they'll join the forestry service or the Coast Guard instead. Good but boy. those those two moments just drive me crazy. They take me out of the movie. And I'm and I'm not I'm not saying that to be, you know, to be crotchety or be funny. Those are moments that drove me crazy. Even seeing that movie in the theater, I was like, "Oh, come on!" So, oh, no, I'm, I'm happy to hear this. I like
1: the movie, but I never thought about it that way. But you're absolutely right. You mentioned it. I probably can't see it. But, uh. And
2: let me say this: everybody's uh, mileage varies for everyone. What, can, what everyone's level of suspending disbelief is different. It's like it's like snow snowflakes and th- fingerprints. They're all individual. There are things that bothers you know. There are things that bother other people in some movies that don't bother me, and I get why it bothers them. There are things in movies that are super successful that drive me crazy that I can't believe. The movie that drove me crazy the most recently was Baby Driver. Okay, all right. Oh my! I love Edgar Wright's movies, with the exception of Scott Pilgrim, just because that's not that video game world uh, generationally. I have no reference point for that. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't connect with it. On any level whatsoever. Um, but baby driver, first of all, can we stop with Ansel Elgort? Well yeah. Was, was a jar of mayonnaise not available? <laughs> <sighs> oh. Oh. Uh. But Baby Driver for me, if it had been as stylized as it was up to the point with the uh, you know, the laundromat and stuff, it was like almost Dick Tracy colors, great. But for me, what took me out of Baby Driver was we're supposed to believe that Ansel Elcourt, when he was five years old, a little white boy whose parents were killed in a a car crash, he gets adopted by a black bachelor in a wheelchair in Atlanta. (laughs) I would believe the Baby Driver could actually turn into a baby that is a car (laughs) than that. The transformers. And and once again, that's that's just that's just something for me. I was I was like I was like, wait a minute. He got adopted by a single black man in a, a deaf single black man in a wheelchair, he's a white boy in Atlanta <laughs> in America? What what that that aliens could land in this movie and I wouldn't bat an eyelash. That means no. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> All right, well, let me turn this into movies I know you like about Starship Troopers mm-hmm. or Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon.
2: Oh, well, cotton candy or sushi. I mean, they're, they're they're really not comparable in any way shape or form other than they're both movies. That's true. You know, so I mean, like... I mean, I love Starship Troopers. In fact, I just watched it last night. It's it's an amazing movie. But you know, Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon is poetry.
3: Yeah.
2: I, I mean, Ang Lee directed a movie that is subtitled that Americans saw and so it the, was the highest grossing uh non-english film of all time for a long time i i the, the passion of the christ beat it because of aramaic but actual languages that are still in existence and it's a beautiful beautiful movie and it's so specific to japanese culture or our chinese culture it's so specific that the more the more specific the story the more universal it feels and michelle yao and chow Yun fat are you i mean come on the score come yeah. on if i if i had to I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is a better movie. I would probably pick Starship Troopers because I could watch that on more of a loop because that's a movie that you can have on in the background and come into, you know, gay psychic Nazi Neil Patrick Harris or a giant ass bug or something. Whereas Crouching Tiger is like reading a good novel. You're, you're fully in it.
1: Dancer, perfect dancer, perfect I like that. I like both of them too. Both very
2: phenomenal movies in my in my rotation. Oh, Ang Lee and the Coen Brothers are the closest thing we have today to Billy Wilder, where every single movie they direct is an entirely different genre, and almost without fail, they don't do awful work. Even the bad ones are interesting. Now, I will say Ang Lee's last two movies defy that. Gemini Man's pretty unwatchable, and Billy Finn's long Hollywood halftime walk. I get technically why he wanted to experiment with those, but those are two movies that you don't need to watch. But before that, his biggest failure was a um, Civil War movie called Ride with the Devil. That's actually really fascinating. It's actually really good. And if you haven't seen Ang Lee's The Ice Storm, you're, you're going to get mad if, when you see it, because that's the movie that American Beauty wishes it was. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. A good point. Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
1: It's kind of, some directors do have that, they connect with you the right way. Like right now, so if our Villeneuve has connected with me the right way, I've left everything Villeneuve has done. So I'm looking forward to Dune. Like I
2: lot. can't wait for Dune. I can't wait for Dune. I honestly didn't care about Blade Runner 2049 because I don't like the original Blade Runner. I think it's I think it's a movie that is its aesthetic is super important, yes. but it's not a very good noir. It's 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 basically a forties movie with great production design for, for good and for bad. <laughs> I get why people like it, it's not my thing. And then to have Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford in a two hour and forty minute movie where they're both sleepy robots. <laughs> I actually it's, got into it's it's beautiful, but I think it's a pretty inert film.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I dug into it. I think I dug it. I just got enveloped into the scenar- the scene and I, the storyline
2: Yeah, I, of- I get why people like it. I just find that that's 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 like in the column of uh like close encounters for me. They're they're kind of they're not bad, but they're not Science fiction films, they're films that are science fiction themed. They're films right. first. And that's not a bad thing. They're just, you know... I've never heard uh,
0: Close Encounters uh, put in that sort of that, in in that way, and that makes a lot of sense, and I really like it.
2: That's- well, Close Encounters is definitely a very thoughtful film. I mean, e- e- even even when it came out, it was a thoughtful blockbuster. It's not an action film. I mean, there's some moments that are exciting, but it's a pretty... I mean, you could look at it as it's a man's descent into mental mental illness. Oh, 100%. 100% that's what it is. And Mashed percent. Potato Mountain. Come on. Can't, can't run with Mashed Potato Mountain.
1: <laughs> all right, that's going to end this or that. You survived your old stint on this or that. Thank you very much.
2: Those um, weren't hard at all. <laughs> oh, I, I, see, I see Ben Rayner over here in the chat saying that, I don't consider Hulk a failure. I absolutely do not consider Hulk a failure. I I think, give me Ang Lee's Hulk any day of the week over most superhero films because it's ambitious. Now, I understand why people don't like it. It's a dreary film. Once again, give me $3 million, I will fix it, and the film will be a huge success. Here's how you fix it. The opening scene, Bruce Banner and Betty Ross and their golden retriever are having a picnic in golden gate park they're making out they're playing frisbee. We see how much in love they are then start the movie because we never see them like each other, let alone love each other. They're always in such a place of "uh" that we never were like, why are these people together? Why don't they just break up? We don't know. I don't, you you don't know why they're attracted to each other. And I love the David Mamet two man play of him and Nick Nolte just sitting in that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, okay, now we're doing theater. Awesome. (laughs) Um, the movie should be that should have won for best editing because he used comic book formatting in a way that wasn't Biff Bam Pow in a way that really, really worked and right. a way that was really accessible. Uh, it's a deeply flawed movie, but I would rather see something that's an ambitious failure than an easy success. Once again, I know why people don't like that movie, but I really, really do like Ang Lee's And we also forgot Brokeback Mountain, which will go down in history as the most egregious loss of best picture ever Mm,
1: very good choice oh wow all right well uh, guys you start getting your super chats or your stream labs in we are going to be doing the questions from the chat and while we're doing that we will plug the channel uh for this week danny what we got going on on wednesday
0: on wednesday i'm going to bring in kelsey for this also so let me bring her back everybody welcome
3: kelsey yes
0: so, um, And mostly because it's a cop-out because I don't exactly know for sure. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: I know what we have going on Wednesday because now it just popped into my head. I'm sorry. We all just got the schedule figured out today. So, <laughs> uh, Wednesday. Kelsey, I'll let you take it.
4: <laughs> all right. Of course, we'll have our weekly episode of Schmo Bates. This episode is going to be Finstock Exchange Theme. I believe the co-host is Ben Bateman, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
4: And then our competitors. I, I believe, wonder if are- he'll
2: be wearing a suit. That <laughs> might just be a blazer. It might just
1: be a blazer.
4: Yeah, that's his new thing. It's just just the blazer <laughs> <laughs> over whatever T-shirt he was wearing that day. <laughs> <laughs> and- All right, and then our oh, competitors. Fine. I know Andrew Demolanta is one of them, and I mm. believe Justin. Justin the Juice.
1: Justin the Juice has a paid yeah. fan, a defense Stock Exchange fan, and he wants some pop ups so He wants to go up against Andrew DeMallata. It's a good chance, good yeah, chance for him. It's gonna be a really good episode. And, yeah. uh, and of course, after
0: that, I'm so sorry, Paul. After that, uh, we will be doing our uh, our call to call to reaction breakdown match breakdown of the Andrew Gallagos, uh Adam Collins. Um so, that's his first name, right? Yeah, Adam. Collins, uh, who, who We've never seen before in the showdown. We haven't seen Andres Gallagher, uh, Gallagher play in the showdown either. So this is going to be the first playing match. This is kicking off uh, the singles tournament season, four matches a week. No one here is stressed out here. No one here is stressed out here. We're all doing fine. We're all And fine.
1: we do have Andres as a guest for that as well. Andres will be guessing on that reaction show as well yes. uh, for time on. Uh, we also, the whole week, this is, mean this is, we've all hell week for reactors. There's so many matches, so many things we got to schedule. We love watching it, love watching it, trying to schedule the breakdowns, the reactions are tough. Uh, Thursday, we'll do that. We'll actually break down the match for each, pretty much every day. This Thursday, we're going to break down Wednesday's match. We'll be breaking down the James White versus Frank Moran. Uh, might have a guess on that. We're still kind of nailing that down. Friday, we'll have the breakdown uh, with the Marisol McKee and by Somerville match. And then on Saturday, we'll break down because it's going to gonna, gonna going to be live at that point. We're going to be breaking down the pay-per-view from last weekend, the, the Kevin Smets Chandru match, and of course the final exam and the Pride. We do have Lon Harris joining us for the final exam and the Pride. Uh, we're still f- talking about a guest, guess, possibly First Mets and Chandru, but we'll get there. Uh,
2: Isn't this Friday uh, Shazam versus final exam? Yes, this Friday the pay-per-view with Dan Merrill
1: and Shazam and oh yeah,
2: Shazam versus the final exam gonna a fun match, okay, right? fun, It's... <laughs> It's really going to be interesting because I love the new character that lawn is playing
3: liquid. Oh God. Yes.
2: In fact, I think that might actually be the real Lawn. I think everything else might've been facade, um, his, not his, it's, it's the dumbest joke, but every time when they're playing, he's like, are we done yet? Wait, there's what there's more never ceases to make me laugh like a mental patient yeah and 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 paul they they work really well together paul i i'm gonna give props to paul i had some issues with some of the youngsters when they first started mostly because they were the first generation of fans who started to play the game so they were already doing the acting and weren't necessarily great at separating it which is which was everybody that's the learning curve but uh, I, I've grown to really enjoy Paul a lot. I think I think I I, I had to keep reminding myself how, just how young he is. Yeah, I mean, okay. I could li- I'm probably I'm literally probably older than his parents, <laughs> is which good. is which is a whole, uh, wrong on every conceivable level. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be an interesting match because Bibbs gets in his head. And the kid is sort of like Tofu. He absorbs the flavors he's around. And when <laughs> Bibs gets real agitated, the kid gets real agitated too. Notice that. And it's gonna be really interesting because it's become about strategy. Now everybody is so good. Everybody has such a deep font of knowledge that strategy has to play a part in it. You know, you have to, you have to know how to use your JTE rules. Know when to throw a challenge in there. Know what kind of challenge you're throwing. Are you throwing a legitimate challenge because of a badly written question or a wrong answer? Or are you throwing a challenge to stop the momentum of the other team with a legitimate, like like what I did with, with um, uh, Paddington 2. Their answer was technically right. What graphic novel did the this? What Jim Carrey character was first appeared in the graphic novel series? And the answer was the Mask. But he didn't appear in a graphic novel. He was the backup in an anthology comic book. And now the comic book lexicon is in everybody's mouth. Graphic novels are different than comic books. And yep. they still they, they still got the credit, but by doing that, it threw their it threw their momentum off. That's become the game. That's what the game is now. You got to It took them. me 2 years to figure out how to play stuff like that. It's why I think that uh, if there are people out there that really want to try and be Schmodan competitor someday, watch the Smets Chandru match. Yeah. Because because both of Chandru's challenges were valid. The challenge about Kobe Smulders was right on She's not playing Maria Hill in Spider-Man Far From Home. She's playing a scroll, pretending. And that's what Inner all about, that sort of minutiae. It's true, and that's Absolutely. what it is. So, okay, okay. Eric Zipper says he prefers Paul's old partner. Eric, I, I understand that. <laughs> so, so good to so see you, Eric. Zipper's watching from the other room.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he
2: loves he's, it watching, he's watching from my red room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he's giving hell now. He's going to give you hell. Say so she's credited as Maria Hill. <laughs> But okay, you know we'll go past that. Who do you got? I'm curious. Who do you got in those matches? Final
2: Exam versus Shazam. Final Exam versus Shazam. It's it really really depends. I think knowledge level. I think they're pretty close to being even. I think I would give maybe a little bit of an edge to Shazam, mm-hmm. just because Bibbs has been doing this so long, and we've all been locked inside for months upon months. So who knows what sort of Howard Hughes jars of urine writing on the wall stuff that Bibbs has been doing, studying. Um, the kid is super, super, a super student. But there's the wheel, there's spinner's choice, there's opponent's choice, there's, you're getting stuck on a shitty category or getting a category you think you're gonna ace and it's suddenly four questions you're like. So there are so many variables. The important thing I would think, for, I think could be a deciding factor is trying to get perfect rounds. Yes. The the most as many points as you can get in that first round, even if it's just even if you're just two points ahead in, in a game with this level of competitors, two points, one point could make the difference. So I honestly don't know. I think strictly on, on just knowledge without the without this the technique and the strategy playing the game, I would give it just by a hair to Shazam. But Lon is such a weird character. And such a a really interesting character you can get under your skin in the right way, and you know, and Bibbs beats himself up. If Bibbs if Bibbs meets that something wrong that he thinks is easy, it's going to drive him crazy for yeah. the rest of the game. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think that's a good call. But yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm a so far every single one of these has been a lot of a fun. real fun because either either it's two veterans going up against each other. Or it's a, a new player, someone we don't know. You know, look at what Ace did in the. St- I, I couldn't give a shit about Star Wars, but damn, how did it, that happen? Good that for him. Shock the world. Yeah. Shock the world every time. it's like every the, match. The Star Wars division is arguably the hardest smowdown division there is. Because when, when I see when I see Ken Nepcok know the not know the answers to questions, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to try.
3: <laughs> not
2: I wrote a yeah. book. Yeah. <laughs> And who do you got for Merle and Erwin? Uh, Once again, it depends. Uh, Ethan is unflappable, but when Ethan doesn't know something, he doesn't try. He, he's like, I don't know. He doesn't do the searching thing. It's like, oh, I don't know it. Right. And and Dan, after that guy match, which is the second match I would advise everyone who ever wants to play Shimon on watch, watch Andrew Guy versus Dan Merle because Andrew Guy played the best match I have ever seen anyone play. hundred And, and, you know, Dan, Dan had, Dan was like me when that Dan had been out of it for a while. So when he came back and there was suddenly all this level of performance and character and in your face. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm just here to play trivia guys. Why are you, why are you, why are you, why are you coming at me? So, but Drew was great. Drew was great at that. So, you know, no one's infallible. And Dan is, Dan is definitely arguably the greatest player we've ever had, but you know what he hasn't done in a while? He hasn't, hasn't lost. That's true. That's very true. Um, I don't doubt his strengths, but over the course of this, I've watched every season of Schmodown, even back in the weird old days where it was like, you get three questions, yeah. you get three questions, and mm-hmm. it's like it was like ten minutes long matches. Right. Um, and Dan is not infallible. Dan is super super knowledgeable. But the thing that's both the blessing and the curse about Dan when you're competing against him is he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So you can't study his weaknesses. There are just some blind spots he has on things, just random things, which is frustrating because there's no strategy for that. He might get Tarantino movies and might miss something that is easy. Right. You know, he he might not know Red Apple cigarettes. You would assume he would, but that might be just one of those random glitches, and that's what makes him both a tough competitor but fallible. All you know, Achilles had a heel; everyone does. So it'll be really interesting to see. And Ethan's been boning up on his strategy, so it'll be interesting to see him play. You know that affable guy who's suddenly, you know, stabbing you in the ribs. Right. So it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And Dan's growing as a character. You know, Dan being a heel. I mean. Just by being with Roka, he's absorbed some of that nonsense. So, I think it'll be—I think it'll be entertaining, and I think it'll be a really fun match. But both of them, and I know it sounds like I'm Miss America and trying to be, you know, be very diplomatic. Either of those matches could go either way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. A blowout would surprise me in either right. match. Right. But other than Same. that, any of those people could win, and I would be like, oh, that makes sense. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, one last thing that we're going to plug before we go on to the chat questions since we do it. Um, next week's chill action actually is not decided yet. We have feelers out there for two different people we're going to see. I will let you know as soon as we know. But we do have the week after confirmed is our very special one-year anniversary 50th episode of Chilled Action. And let's play the tape, Kelsey. That's right, for one night only, Christian might not do it yet, but we're going to reunite team action. (laughs) <laughs> to our our anniversary since we started as a call, as an Afterparty podcast, we're gonna get our boys back together.
2: So that's gonna be a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Did you see the uh, TikTok that Ben had to do?
3: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: you, know you
2: know what? Wait one second. I'm gonna do this. Oh, do you have it? Please
1: play yeah. it if you have it. It's my uh, favorite thing. I run their Patreon, so they actually do active Industries on my channel. So about uh, stream you Streamlabs. So let me just find it. there it is.
2: One of the greatest things that's ever been. He committed. only pretends he was forced to do that. <laughs> There's like probably nine hours of of, of 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 cut footage. Well,
0: Look, I know how goes into editing a TikTok video. He took time for that. He destroyed it.
2: And now the Chinese know what his social security number is. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, since he lost to Drew, that was Drew's plan the entire time, probably. Oh, I see a question from Dean Morgan, and he's been asking all sorts of stuff. And I don't, I, he asked a question. And I hope he didn't feel like I, I was. Yes, I think about a movie or something, and I went off on Baby Driver, so I hope he doesn't think he was attacked. If I wrote a female character for Marvel, since I've done Supergirl for DC, who would it be? Um, I would love to do a Scarlet Witch in the Vision book. Um, I, 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 I grew up on those mini series and I just think they're fascinating. Um, I would love to, ugh, everybody hates on Cyclops. I would love to do a Cyclops and Jean Grey book. Do like heart to heart where they're like, just yeah. gallivanting around the world, solving mysteries and being fabulous. Cause I think, I think Scott Summers is arguably one of the most important characters in the Marvel universe. I think he is the Marvel universe's Dick Grayson in the way that they both are so always putting everyone else before them and always trying to be what everyone else wants them to be that they have no idea who they are Mm -hmm. and I didn't experience I didn't get that until I wrote them both for the first time like oh I get it they're trying to make everybody happy and that makes no one happy I get it so uh, but yeah the Scarlet Witch uh, Jean Grey um, oh She-Hulk would be a blast to write She-Hulk would be an absolute blast to write but but truthfully, I, when I get offered characters from the big two, sometimes it's characters I don't think that I would be offered, so that's the fun. Like Supergirl, I never thought I was going to write Supergirl, and I loved writing Supergirl. I would go back and write Supergirl again without batting an eyelash in a second and a half. All righty, from
0: Trash Panda with the Super Chat, what wheel slice would you add to the game?
2: There are a couple. I would add Stephen King. I think it's ridiculous that there's not a Stephen King yes. slice. Um, there's a Stephen King slice. There's no Stephen King slice. And there's a Chris Nolan and Quentin Tarantino slice. There've been far more Stephen King movies. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. just, I'm just playing devil's advocate there. I would do an LGBT movie slice. I would do a John Waters slice. Yes, please. Um, I would do a, from, from, uh, page to screen slice.
0: <gasps> I
2: would do a costume drama slice. <laughs> I would do an Ang Lee slice. Uh, I would do a Sydney Pollock slice. I mean, I would do a Billy Wilder slice. You know, there there are tons. Why isn't the why isn't there a Betty and Jones slice? <laughs> wow. I, I mean, seriously. The, no. no.
0: I love that idea. The idea because I I feel like we'll draw the argument that you could against that. Just slices have to be kind of broad in general for whatever, whatever. But having those unique slices. But, that makes it game so much more fun from a fan perspective. But
2: the thing is, I get not wanting it to be too much minutia, not, not, even, not wanting it to be was who made the bone china that Scarlett O'Hara served their first dinner on. I get that. But if we love movies, we need to love movies that were made a long time ago because they inform the movies that are made today. And if I'm gonna be forced to answer 900 questions on The Sandlot and Major League, I sure as hell want some questions about Billy Wilder and Betty Davis movies. Because arguably, those two people are far more important than Major League or Sandlot, no matter how good those movies may be in the history of cinema. Those two movies wouldn't exist if those other two things didn't. And I get you wanna have enough questions that your audience feels they can compete. But you know what? There are nights when I watch Jeopardy and I can't answer a single question. And there are nights when I watch Jeopardy and I can answer every single question. So I, I would rather I would rather hear someone complain that oh they're always talking about old movies and then find out they actually went and watched that old movie. That's great. Just cuz it's old don't mean it's bad. Generally they're really good. You know, I mean, there are some movies that are so part of our pop culture that they are what feel almost cliche Casablanca is one of them. Watch Casablanca. It's fucking amazing. It transcends all that play It again, Sam stuff that we've all seen ad nauseum. It's an amazing, beautiful, romantic, insanely good film. And if you claim to love film. You don't have to like everything, but but any sort of thing you're interested in should be like a salad bar. You should try as many different flavors as you can. You're not going to like everything, nor should you, but you should have a, a knowledge of things. And you can go back to the three things you like for the rest of your life, but try things. It just is a general rule in life. Try something different. You'll never Expand tell. your horizons. It, the water's warm. Come on in. The pool is fine. I promise. I promise. Try to learn something. At most you don't like it you don't go back to it yeah and there's that's fine we've got we've also got to get over the fact that that there are things that you don't like that are awful but there are things that, that you don't like that doesn't not everything you don't like is bad I don't I haven't liked the last four Steven Spielberg movies that doesn't mean they're badly made they're technically perfect they just don't appeal to me as a viewer I cannot like something and not, you know, I don't like avocados. I'm the only person in California that doesn't. But that doesn't mean I just because I don't like it doesn't mean I want them banned. Right. Good point. You know, we have this with this weird tribalism that it's either everything's great or awful. To all sorts of degrees. I want everyone to like things. I don't I don't like going to a movie and saying I didn't like it. I want them to all be great. I don't I don't seek out bad things. But by the same token, if I see something that fails on levels to me, I'll talk about it because that's what's fun. Talking about, especially if someone loves the movie That you don't, that's always the best Conversation, because it goes back to what I said About empathy, you get to understand Why that person liked that movie And you might not agree with it, but you're like Oh, I can see why that works for Them
1: Absolutely, I love, I love talking to people for exactly That reason, We just going to get over the idea That like, you don't have debate to Debate
2: is not insult, right? debate is not personal Two of my best friends and I get Induced, knocked down, screaming Bloody murder Opinions about movies, and then we're done and we laugh. It's not about. It's not about that. Right. And it, and it's also a way to to cheat an argument if you like to start taking things personally. Hundred ten percent. You need to take a debate class to learn that because you might not agree with me politically, but that doesn't. And well, now if you don't agree, if you're on that side, I don't want to talk to you. But in a <laughs> vacuum, when there are rational differences in parties. I don't want everyone to believe everything I say I'm not always right I am not the smartest person in the room if I am the smartest person in the room go somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's, it, it's, it's just a matter of as I, the older I get and the closer I get to the final off ramp as opposed to getting on the freeway it's just easier to try and be pleasant and try and not be confrontational as a, as a starting point you know don't get me wrong. You 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 fuck with someone I care about. I will I will stalk you to the ends of the earth. But I don't want to be that person. I don't choose to be that person unless I absolutely have to be. And I think so many of us think there's some sort of glamour in being a martyr and being, oh I'm so busy. Oh life is so hard. Yeah, life is hard for everybody. I know Os- I know Oscar winners who are suicidal. So everybody, everybody is going through it. Just try. Just don't be a dick. That's all that you need to do. Don't be a dick. It's that simple. That is it. Don't be a dick. That is it. Without it'll be
0: Mark
2: and Don't be a dick. I like it. Like, that's a shirt. That's a good like shirt. That is in. a shirt. So, shirt. I have, there's one great John Waters quote I wanna. I wanna talk about before mm-hmm. we're out for the evening. Because yeah. there's there's a couple quotes that I want on my gravestone. One is from Oscar Wilde. Uh, that was if you don't have anything nice to say about someone, come sit next to me. <laughs> and my favorite john waters quote is from pink flamingos uh the mink stole character says there are two kinds of people in this world my kind and assholes <laughs> i'm like I yeah yep. yep fair enough <laughs> and i would like a john Wa- i would like a john water slice because i would like some people to experience his movies yeah you know I, I, I like when someone introduces me to someone new I mean when I was a kid and I used to go to record stores back in the days when I we wrote dinosaurs there was nothing better than finding a band that had like 13 albums out and you could buy one a week with your allowance or your paper up money and you're like oh you got to discover so I like when people give me new directors to discover or new writers or new actors and I think in this day and age John Waters is so gleeful and Filthy, it's not about, it's not lascivious, it's it's joyous and it celebrates the underdog. I mean, his most subversive movie is arguably Hairspray. He made a PG family film that is one of the most subversive, most powerful films about racism and segregation and body positivity. I just watched it last week with a friend of mine. And I was amazed at how much stuff is in that movie that wasn't intended. Just Ricky Lake and Divine. Just yes. the, just the. Yes. How many girls did? How many girls didn't have eating disorders because they saw that representation on film? Mm-hmm. I would argue that Hairspray is a better film about racism and desegregation than Mississippi Burning. Wow. Because Mississippi Burning is too. It's a well-made film, but it's two white guys talking about racism. Not wrong. Not wrong. Hairspray. Isn't about that. It isn't about, but it is. But it's inherently about that. It's a spoonful of sugar with no medicine. It's an enjoyable, funny movie. And when you come out, come home, you're like, "Oh yeah, that's stupid. Why are they doing that?" Whereas, opposed to, I find movies like Mississippi Burning, those Oscar bait movies, a little didactic for my taste. It's like we're going to tell you something good for you. Yeah, racism is bad. I know.
3: got it. It. it?
1: Yeah.
2: So. I right, Kel's got some quick super chats in the streamlabs
1: in there. We here. got
4: some streamlabs. We yeah, have two I'm, I'm from. Talking, ship.
2: I'm talking way too much, right? Oh, no,
4: no, no, you're no, fine. I'm we love it.
2: Sure, we
0: <laughs> love it Mark, really quickly. I do want to ask. I did put it in the private chat, but I just want to ask you right now. Uh, you're good on time. We're good
2: with time? Yeah, we can we can wrap whatever questions people paid for. Yeah. Cool.
0: Okay, right, awesome. So the two from
4: it uh, fires. Our first one's just hello. And second one is, hey Mark, big fan. I just want to tell you that I believe you're a great dude. The thing I love about you is that you're raw and honest, and that you have shown—sorry, have that I have seen because it is in this space people can be liars, but all I have seen from you is the real, and I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I, once again, it's not because I'm a great moral paragon. I'm just too tired to hide. I wish I was an enigma wrapped in a riddle sprinkled with mystery. <laughs> this is what you get. You know, the ingredients are this, you know. <laughs>
3: right.
4: Next one is from Kaiser. It says, Andrako is on the Schmodown world tour. Like, he's got a new Mission Impossible movie dropping this summer. Uh, Mission Impossible 7, grow a pair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like Kaiser. Oh, but but Henry Cavill's character died. I'd have to bring him back to life, <laughs> right? Can make that work. Huh? I new stunt. Model, I'll just watch him reload his arms for days. Yes. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> I'm old enough where it's like I just want to watch. If, he, if Henry, <laughs> if Henry Cavill would do my laundry in a speedo, I would be happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the next video after the building a PC.
2: Now it's just gonna be doing your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> All
4: right. Next one's from Styler
2: News. Oh, sorry. Is that an artisanal Overlook Hotel beer drink you're drinking?
4: No, it's a, it's a uh, cozy. It's oh, scary. I was like,
2: oh, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if there was Overlook beer. I mean, <laughs> every, you know.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, big chatting All right, um, Sire, did you, guys, not, you guys love Dr. Sleep? I love Dr. Sleep. I, I adore Dr. Sleep. I thought I, it
4: was fun. I really liked it.
2: I, and Rebecca Ferguson. If if we're ever allowed to have Halloween again, every drag queen in America is going to go as Rose the Hat. I might go and drag as Rose the Hat. Wow! But hello there. Oh, are you fucking kidding me?
4: She's gorgeous and terrifying at the same time. I love her so much. Oh my god!
2: Yeah. And she's 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 Paul Atreides' mother. Yes. Yes. In Dune. Are you kidding me? Every. every of possible, she oh, her. Her. she's great in the greatest showman,
3: yeah. 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 even though
2: that movie has zero to do with reality. And I didn't go to a Christmas musical with Hugh Jackman about P.T. Barnum for verisimilitude and facts. And it works as it works if it was if you go in and watch that movie as like the best musical of 1958, it's a delight. Yes, I agree but, with that. but do right. not research P.T. Barnum at all because he was an awful. He tried to he tried to repent a little before he died, but he was He had a slave, and when she died, he sold tickets to her autopsy. Yep. God. He was a
0: terrible person.
2: (laughs) He was (laughs) garbage. (laughs) Uh, And that's one to grow on. Anyway, (laughs) I'll shut up. What are the other? I'll shut up. What are the other questions? You got another one.
4: Next one's from Style and Moose. Uh, Have you watched Stargirl? If so, what do you think of the show?
2: I have watched the first two episodes of Stargirl because there is so much other stuff going on and I didn't have the DC app. So I was stockpiling them. Uh, I've known Jeff Johns forever. I've known Jeff 20, 21 years now. Um, and, and actually when I first met Jeff, we actually, I actually said to him, we had something in, in common, his sister, Courtney, who was the inspiration for Stargirl, died in a plane explosion in uh, a TWA flight, which was 14, I believe. And when I was in college uh, in 92, my best friend died in a plane crash in uh, at LaGuardia airport. So he was the person that I met that I could say, I don't take any joy in this, but I can honestly say to you, I know how you feel. So there was that sort of bonding. And you know, and you can tell, the episodes I've seen of struggle, well, you can tell it comes from a place that's really deeply emotionally important for him, and what a what a great way to memorialize his sister. She gets to be a superhero in the DC universe. She's immortal now, so I have not watched them all, but it scratches all my itches. You know, the JSA. You know, I would I would I would challenge Jeff in a knife fight during the Justice Society because I love that stuff. So, all right. All right,
0: awesome. I didn't know that before, but that makes me want to watch the movie or watch the show for sure. All
4: right. Next one from Ryan Chandler says, "What's up, Kelsey, Danny, PLD, and Mark? Hey, Mark, love watching you in the latest horror showdown. Matt, congrats. Sure, a lot of tips from the Dark Side movie questions. Wouldn't you agree? What's your favorite Stephen King movie? Thanks, Mark.
2: Uh, what's my favorite? Tales from the Dark Side. The movie is a delicious disaster. It is. <laughs> it's got like Julianne Moore is in it. Uh, Dorothy Lamour is in it." A sentient garbage bag and a lake is in it. In it. Uh, a, 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 a questionable wooden Indian is in it, and a dead homeless zombie who just says "Thanks for the ride, lady." Um, no, no, I'm sorry. That's no, I, I'm I'm flipping. The, I see Creepshow Two and Tales from the Dark Side are the same movie. They're both such garbage, but delicious. Um, uh, Tales from the Tales from the Dark Side is Christian Slater, right? And Debbie Harry has got the kid locked in the. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's the one. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, yeah. Julian Moore, isn't that? Julian Moore and Steve Buscemi, because there's a mummy in it. Um, but my favorite Stephen King movies are probably, I think, uh, The Dead Zone is an yeah, amazing film that no one talks about. It's easily David Cronenberg's best film. And if it came out today, Christopher Walken and Martin Sheen would both not only be nominated, but they would both win Oscars. And Martin Sheen is playing, if Donald Trump was a little bit smarter in this movie, very little bit. Um <laughs> And Christopher Walken is just, it's a performance for the ages. I love It, chapter one. Yeah. I love all the changes they made. I think by moving it into the 80s, it actually makes the story more what King wanted by making the, the fears personal instead of just horror movie monsters. You know, the fact that Bev isn't scared of Pennywise because her father's molesting her and that's done so subtly that if you don't, if you're a kid, if you're 10 or younger and you're just like horror movies, you won't get it. But when you get it, she's like, oh, of course she doesn't care about a fucking clown. Her father's been raping her. And it's handled in such a subtle, beautiful way that never feels cheap or exploitive. Um, I love Carrie. I love the De Palma Carrie because it's batshit crazy. Um, uh, What other Stephen King movies? Um, The Mist, I think, is fantastic. I think Frank Darabont's ending, he makes the ending of that movie more depressing than the book. And that movie came out on Christmas Day. I remember (laughs) seeing that in the theater. And I know Frank a little. And after I saw him, I said, I want to give you a hug. He said, why? I said, because not only did you make The Mist better, but you made it so dark and horrifyingly depressing. On Christmas Day, I started. I was in the theater and it was full. And the credits start, and everyone's just like, and then, I, and then then I started laughing like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear, because I was like, this he did this on purpose. That's fucking brilliant. I love that. I love. That. Oh, it's. Marsha Gay Harden, if I wanted a friend like you, I'd squat down and shit one out. Spoken like the true Christian woman you are. So good. So, so good. But I would say if you haven't, if you're looking for a Stephen King movie you haven't seen, seek out The Dead Zone. The Dead Zone is really, really wonderful. It's a really, really spectacular film. Storytelling, yes.
0: I love that question.
2: Love that answer. And Dr. Sleep actually improves on the book. I think it does do it in many ways. I think it does. It does. And watch the director's cut, watch the six episode version as opposed to what was released theatrically. I love them both, but the movie is paced like the book. The reason the movie didn't connect with a lot of people is because it's very methodically paced. It's paced like the Kubrick one. And unfortunately, audiences don't have attention spans now, but in Home, the cut Flanagan did with the the, the six episodes and the title cards, Oh, it's so good! It's so seen yeah.
0: the director's cut, so I'm gonna make that a point to do
2: that. Actually, yeah, I just thought I've been
1: waiting. I'm watching the director's cut this week, so I'm waiting to do that definitely.
2: Watch the first, watch the regular cut first, and then sure. watch the director's cut because I think you'll appreciate the amount of subtle work that went into the difference. Because it's not like there's a big one-hour added chunk; it's just little bits here and there and pieces, and it just is really. Really, and then we have the stand coming up in November on CBS All Access. Josh Boone's the stand, and I the stand will probably finish airing all ten episodes before New Mutants comes out. <laughs> dun, dun,
1: dun. Uh, that's like, going to be all of our pay. I want to throw it up there. Chronic. We always love seeing Eric Rodriguez, one of the greatest guys in the Schmoedown community. Let's see Andre covers Bibbs in a horror Iron Man match. You we talked
2: about it. We talked about. it. I want to do since they did the uh, uh, Jurassic Park and Rocky mm-hmm. Iron Man matches. I want to write the questions and find competitors to do a Friday the Thirteenth Iron Man match I love that.
3: I love
2: that. because I love those movies. At least, <laughs> top, except for except for Goes to Hell, and the re, the reboot, which was not a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Oh, it wasn't at all. Uh, yeah, true. Sure. At least and I
1: did like I did I did a uh, marathon of all the movies before the ninth one, the Goes to Hell came out. I was really oh, that
2: was awful. It. But but the first seven the I got to write the origin of Mrs. Voorhees when uh, Wildstorm had the the Friday the 13th license. So I, I wanna make that movie. I really, really, when the rights get settled, I wanna bug my agent and manager and be like, get me a meeting with whoever. I know how to make this franchise work cheap.
1: I'm all for it. Definitely so all for it.
2: The first rated or movie I saw in the theater was Friday the Thirteenth. I had to get straight A's, and my mom took me to see it. So, <laughs> and, the, and, and those first two really do feel like summer camp. They smell like mildew and pee and wood. I mean, they really, they really, you're like. Although I don't understand, I do. I re- just rewatched the second one. And I'm like, why is there a counselor in a wheelchair when all they have are gravel road, gravel trails, and steps? It's <laughs> a good call. Fair <laughs> Mm, what, where is he's going to Is he just going to be out on the, the pier He's just going to be watching He can't save the kids if they drown And he certainly can't It's like how does he get anywhere in that movie but, uh,
0: What a great Mark and Draco movie critic Origin story
2: <laughs> Perfect perfect
1: uh, Alright we do have one more More question in we
0: have mm-hmm. One final
4: question came in from Thrawn uh, The school I work at is currently Working on finding new ways to further d- further discuss, and revamp curriculum to be more inclusive, as many perspectives as possible. Can you recommend any must-see films that are PG-13 or under, we can't do, ours.
2: I think you should show, and you might have to censor some of the language, bleep some of the language, but both the documentaries, The Celluloid Closet and Disclosure, which is currently on Netflix, are phenomenal documentaries. The Celery Closet is based on a series, a book written by a, a man named Vito Russo, who was a gay film critic and one of the founding members of ACT UP in the '80s, who was one of the first people to die in AIDS, of AIDS in the, the crisis. And his book was about gay presentation in film, and his book is very angry. The documentary is narrated by um, uh, Lily Tomlin, and it covers. Uh, Gays in film since for, since Thomas Edison's first film, which was two men dancing while another played the fiddle, all the way up to Philadelphia when the movie came out, like '95. Uh, it's a very entertaining movie. It will open your eyes uh, if you're if you're a straight person and you think you're woke to use the kids jargon. Um, you'll be amazed at how not woke you are when you see see. And this isn't a blaming movie. It's a very entertaining movie. But they do a little montage in the middle, and it's a, movies in the '70s and '80s where it's like faggot, dyke, homo. It just lists them, and you see things like, "Oh, wow, wow, Teen Wolf is a really homophobic movie," um, you know. "Oh, Monster Squad is a very homophobic movie." It's just they weren't then, but watching them now, uh, and disclosure is the same movie, but it's about trans characters in entertainment, and it is it is a phenomenally entertaining film. Uh, it's an uncomfortable film because it made me realize some of my even though I'm a A gay dude I'm also a white man in America it made me realize some of the biases that I just absorbed by living in America Um, and uh, you know and I have said this on other podcasts and I'll say it here Um, my trans friends are probably the bravest people I know the number one and two causes of death of trans people are murder and suicide and to be I I can't even begin to understand the trans experience and to vilify and demonize people for that is utterly unacceptable. And I always, I always joke that if I was a politician, I would have the secret service would all be trans people because if they've lived to adulthood, they know how to fight and they know how to, they know how to survive. And I am trying to inform myself to be a better ally to trans people because I I, I veered away from it for fear of doing it incorrectly. and. There's so little, as someone who grew up watching every bad gay independent film ever made because of representation. If I could get all those hours of my life back, I'd live to be 150. (laughs) But I was actually doing a panel in a a convention in Phoenix a few years back, and a person in the audience asked about trans characters. And I, I said that I said, I'm really nervous to put a trans character in because it's not my story to tell, and I don't want to do it poorly. And a trans woman in the audience stood up and said, Fuck you, you're a coward. Write honest characters, mm-hmm. and she didn't. And she said it just like that. Yeah. And I said, "And I said, you're absolutely goddamn right. Wow. I, I, if I do my due diligence, and d- try and write real people, not saints and not victims, it's never going to get better, because there weren't gay characters, that didn't achieve prevalence until straight people started putting them in movies. There's an evolutionary chart for all minorities, mm-hmm. and." And now, is it, it's it's the trans time, and it's like I said, you know, you know this. It, with if you have a trans child, there, I the, the amount of character, and fortitude, and just bravery. I uh, I I will on my bravest day. I'm not as brave as my trans friends have been on their weakest day. Hundred ten percent. Hundred ten percent.
1: All I can do, all I try to do, all you can do as, a, as an ally is just offer support. be there. Yeah,
2: from... yeah. Well, as an ally in general, whether it's trans, whether it's race, whether it's gender, white people need to say, I'm sorry if I made your life harder. How can I help? And exactly. sit down and shut up and take notes. Exactly. Because if you're born white in America, it's like being born a great white shark. You are, you're an apex predator. And... We don't, and not, and, and not everybody knows their level of entitlement. I certainly didn't until you experience it. There's nothing wrong. You're not flawed because you have that. It, you, we, we grew up soaking in it. Being aware of it and reaching out, you know? And that's, right. why, that's, why all the, that's why these past couple of months, even though I think we needed to have a Trump in order to have, you can't have a renaissance without a dark age. And we are in the darkest of dark ages right now. And hopefully, you know, everyone will emerge a little bit more empathic And a little bit more aware of how important interaction with one another is, because I'm nowhere near the misanthrope I thought I was. I'm like, shit, I need to see people. I'm like, normally I'm like, I I I literally have a T-shirt that says, "Fuck you," I have enough friends. (laughs) (laughs) And and now it's like, oh, I guess I can't wear that anymore. Oh shit. Well, maybe that's the silver lining. Maybe that
1: we are in the dark ages will lead to something more.
2: I hope uh, I didn't pontificate too much. I hope this didn't feel like a revival meeting for me. I feel I didn't mean um, to vomit for things. I hope the your audience isn't bored or disgusted. You know, our what? audience has
1: stayed with us the entire time. They've been saying throughout the chat they're they're throwing up a lot of friends' lives matters. Now they're they're there the entire time because it's important. I like to I like to think that our audience is, is those type of people who are very open to that and very wanting to be well
2: that's also what's great about the action army. When I did uh you know there's a, 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 fan, a member of the instrument named Caroline, a trans woman. And I love that there's a, there are trans fans of those two Charlotte, characters. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it's sort of Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte. Uh, it's sort of like, uh, watching those, those, those two black brothers who are reacting to songs.
0: I, <laughs> I think I know exactly who you're yes. talking
2: about. They, they, they've watched Pavarotti. They watched Dolly Parton do Jolene. I recommended the Eurythmics, and they they did Sweet Dreams. Watching these two kids enjoy music with no preconceived notions, I literally cried with joy watching those kids. Because I it's like yeah, know. it's like it's it, it. And I go down a rabbit hole and I watch hours and hours of them reacting because it's like it's like the first one I saw was them reacting to um, Rainy Days and Mondays by Karen Carpenter, and I'm like, oh, this is going to get ugly, right? And, and they were like one of them had tears in his eyes they're like listen to her voice watch watch them watch whitney houston's i will always love you for the first time holy shit! and they're just delightful it's just delightful that these two i'm assuming from the their their dialects urban black kids you know who are we all have preconceived notions of what an urban black kid with a durag is you know all the karens and all the scared people and watching them watch Pavarotti, and watching them watch Aerosmith, and watching them watch Dolly Parton, and watching them watch Cindy Lauper, and watching them enjoy this stuff, Watch them watch Prince they watch Prince do uh, Let's Go Crazy, and it's like they haven't seen it, and it's just it's just so, It will, it will if you're having a bad day, it's their, their hashtag is hashtag twins is the new trend, I think uh, and the, the one they got the most press for this past weekend was they watched uh, Phil Collins in the air tonight and they're watching and watch it, and then all then three minutes in, it goes
3: doo, 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 doo,
2: doo, doo, doo. and they're like, Whoa, you actually see their minds get blown. And it's like, yes, that's what art is. Art connects us all. It transcends color, economic status, gender, anything. And it's just so nice to see something that joyous. And it makes me listen to songs I haven't heard in a long time. So that's, I, 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 I recommend everybody go watch them. You will, you will, you will have the best time. That's
0: their channel. By the way I, saw, I, I saw a couple of the Dolly Parton ones. And... Oh, Jolene! Yeah, then watching
2: Jolene part. is the, and then watching Nine to Five. Oh, yes.
0: Those Ugh. Two specifically, are so. Good.
2: I bet you. I bet you. If she's tours again, when if we're allowed to do that again, I bet you she invites them backstage. Oh. Because oh. I got to see her in concert. Because after Prince and Bowie died, I was like, "Shit, these people aren't going to be around forever. I need to see these people." And I saw Dolly Parton. She's 78 years old. She performed at the Hollywood Bowl for two hours and 45 minutes. It was her and four other musicians. And she is everything you want her to be. You know, she's given away over 10 million books to poor children through her, through her foundation.
0: Dolly Parton is the best ever. ever. There are there, poor,
2: she, there are poor kids who get a book every month from her. That's something phenomenal. And, That's... yeah, she she's just awesome. I I would I uh, she's the best. She really is. And wow. I'm gonna give you one old movie suggestion. In addition to watching these twins make you happy, watch nine to five with Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dabney Coleman. When I teach screenwriting, it's one of the scripts I use. It is a near perfectly structured screenplay. It is hilariously funny, it is beautifully moving and it has not aged a day the time it definitely takes place in the early 80s but none of that prevents any enjoyment and all three of those fucking women i could watch them wash clothes for three hours you are watching three geniuses it's so good it's so good and it's such a delightful film it really is
0: do you watch anything from uh uh Jane and frankie
2: Grace and Frankie? Yes, I did. It uh, I, if you're going to watch Grace and Frankie, power through the first 5 or 6 cuz the first 5 and 6 very much feel like network sitcom stuff. But once Marta Kaufman said, "Oh, I have Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Martin Sheen, and Sam Waterston. I'm going to let them go." It's hilarious. And once again, uh if you have if you have a, if you have an older mother, let her watch it. It is one of the most empowering things for older women being considered sexual being sexual beings, and fighting ageism, and it's hilarious, and it's a masterclass. Those two women literally have almost two centuries of experience in the arts. And oof, I'm so glad Jane Fonda's back. She's so, (laughs) she's, I forgot how versatile she is. Watch Grace and Frankie, watch 9 to 5, and watch The Morning After. And the fact that that's the same woman in all three movies, she's gonna be like, okay, I, I will, ne- if I was ever considering trying acting, nope. Done, <laughs> <laughs> Jane
0: Fonda is a treasure to this world also. So
3: that-
2: who is, who is? Jane Fonda. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I really do recommend The Morning After. It was uh, the, the last movie she was nominated for an a- Oscar for. She plays a washed up B-movie actress who's a blackout drunk and she wakes up in a strange man's apartment one morning in-, in bed and she pulls back the covers and he's dead with a knife in his chest and she doesn't remember anything. And it's her, the late Raul Julia, Jeff Bridges. It's so good. And once again, she's playing a not very intelligent or educated woman. And Jane Fonda is anything but that. And you completely buy this performance. And Jeff Bridges, it's a really, really good, smart thriller. It's the kind of movie that, that studios don't make anymore. Because if it took place on a solar flare station with giant monsters, they would. But movies about movies about people reacting like people are the are the places of Netflix now, and streaming. But I guarantee you, if you if you stream or rent morning after, you will not regret it. It is, it's a you'll be like, oh damn, how did this movie exist for so long? And I didn't know it was there.
1: Recommendations. All right, Danny.
0: That's it. Is that I think it?
1: That's it. All the
0: questions. For that. That's gonna be it. That's everything from the questions. That's everything from the chat. Uh, thank you so much to everyone inside of the chat. Uh, we really appreciate you as always. And uh, you know me. You can find me, your girl, Danny Joy, on Twitter at Danny And You can also find me here every Monday, hanging out with my favorite co-host, right up there with Paul Benizio, on Till to Action on the Call to Action Network. All of that good, great stuff. So you know what it is. Y'all go and follow me there, follow that stuff.
1: Paul, where can the people find you? Paul, on Twitter, you can find me here every week with my favorite co-host, Danny Joy. You can also find me on Class Action, on the Action Industries YouTube channel. I do a show for on Ben and Drew's channel with uh, my friend Richard Eric Jarvie. Uh, it's a lot of fun on there. And I have opened up my own YouTube channel recently called PLD Projects. I look for the Harris style, still coming soon, where I go through every movie that Ed Harris has ever been in and I make you love him as much as I do.
2: Including Creep Show? Absolutely. What about
1: Knight Riders? Night Riders is one of my first I can't wait to talk about Knight Riders. I love I Knight
2: love Knight Riders. That's <laughs> an Him in Creep Show is amazing. The worst whitest dancer of yeah. all time. He makes so makes awesome. me feel like I am Savion Glover watching him dance in that movie. That is
1: so true. I have the Night Riders, but actually, somewhere uh, there it is. That's the one I'm looking at. There's Ed Harris in Night Riders,
2: which is great. <laughs> film. Oh, it's so good. It's so I good. might watch that. I might watch that now. I might pull that out of the, <laughs> the shelf. <show. laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Don't give Paul that much power. It's fine. It's totally fine. Isn't
2: it amazing that Ed Harris's career goes from Creepshow and Night Riders to The Hours? Right. <laughs> That, 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 ladies and gentlemen, is versatility. <laughs> I said he can put him in any movie and he'll make it better. That's all I, as I've always said. So That's
0: great, too, and I absolutely agree with that. He's like
2: garlic. Yeah. <laughs> you can never go wrong with either <laughs> one of them.
0: <laughs> I agree. 100% I agree. Yes.
3: Oh.
4: Perfect. all right you can find me at kelseykins90 on twitter and instagram also on the call to action podcast instagram So you can interact with me there t public we've got merch we've got masks wear your masks and i also have a twitch stream now it's uh kelseykins gamer i play a lot of dc related games arkham i'm doing injustice right now which is one of my favorite games of all time so please watch me terribly fight other people on that game so
0: see you around there all right yes and uh mark thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight oh thank
2: you this was a blast
0: this was a blast this was an amazing conversation we never really get to deep dive into real world stuff like this so having your perspective on it and having like such a positive perspective on it means a lot to me.
2: and if you didn't like if you're if you're a viewer and you didn't like my political talk don't blame those guys come after me (laughs) come after me
0: (laughs) No, okay. They're just the
2: hosts. I, I'm the rude guest. <laughs> no, not at bring, all. Bring it. I can, no. I, can, I can handle it. Trust me. Yeah,
0: it's, tot- it's totally fine, y'all. It, it, oh, everything okay. that Mark said on this show is totally I'm fine.
2: The same, <laughs> the same, too. You're, you're well, I wasn't implying you didn't agree with me, but I just wanted to say <laughs> that.
0: that okay.
2: I know you're Mark, smart.
0: Trust kids. Let us <laughs> know where we can find you and plug anything that you have going on, what you got going on.
2: Um, you can find me at on Twitter and Facebook, and yeah, if you are remotely right wing, you do not want to follow me. I will just give you angina, uh, and I don't want you to follow. And I don't want you to follow me either because you will give me angina. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff going on. I've got a couple of comic book things in the works, a couple other media things in the works. I know I sound like every other dickhead in Hollywood, and I'm like, I can't talk about this stuff, but it, 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 you know, it's like. The metaphor I use is I peed on the stick, I'm pregnant. I'm not picking out baby clothes yet.
3: <laughs>
2: so hopefully in the next couple of months, there'll be some big things to announce, but having been doing this for a while, they could all evaporate like mist. So I try not to, uh, until the check has cleared, it's not real. Count the money. Uh, I, I speak from experience. I had a project, uh, we had sold Torso, the book I did with Brian Bendis. Uh, it's based on the true story of Elliot Ness in Cleveland, Ohio in the 30s. And one of the first big serial killer cases in the country, and uh, David Fincher was going to direct it, and it was yeah. going to be Matt Damon, Gary Oldman, Casey Affleck, and Rachel McAdams. And this was before, this was back when Casey and Gary didn't have their issues with women so publicly, um, so it was a good thing. Uh, and they Paramount greenlit it for twelve hours. So as I was leaving, to, as I was <laughs> leaving to go pick up my mid to high six figure check my lawyer called and said you're never going to believe and I'm like are you fucking <laughs> kidding me and He's like, I was like can I have something in my career not be a trivial pursuit question like what was the only time a studio greenlit a huge movie and changed their mind it was like Lucy didn't just take the football out from front of me she filled it with AIDS needles and rusty nails and, 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 de- 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 and anticoagulants and a bomb so <laughs> uh, you know something then from life. There, karma should be able to. It's, it's part of. It's it's all part of this. This weird, you know. It's it. it you know, I, I ask for no sympathy. It's a, you know. It's, it's a fun story that I tell in perspective. It wasn't fun at the time, but you know, how many people can say that they almost had a check for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars disappear in front of them?
0: Definitely not the rest of us don't Even
2: get to gamble it away or use it on a, us sex workers. It was just like getting rid
0: of them. That's also something that the rest of us here might have done. But who-
2: <laughs> oh, well, next time I want to interview you guys then. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Good luck with that. But thank you all so much again for hanging out with us tonight on this happy Monday. We really appreciate you all coming in every single Monday for the past almost a year now. Can't believe it. So as always, for everyone in the C2A crew, for everyone in the Action Army, uh, thank you, Shmodan fam. We love you. And as always, we salute you <laughs>